0: Welcome to my world. I'm yours, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, November 30th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. We've got a lot going on today. We, uh, I just found a flaw in our new system. I'll have to work on that. Uh, we have completely upgraded and changed the phone system we're using for the live show. So there's also a new phone number today. Uh, If you're listening on the app, the call button from the app has already been updated. That will work just fine. If you're going to dial in from your phone, the new number is 319-527-6791. Give you that one more time. The new number to dial in, 319-527-6791. Looks like calls are already coming in. Something's working. Um, my hope now is that all of our audio works properly, and then we'll just uh, start working out the little bugs. I didn't realize it was going to get that weird countdown um, at the beginning of the show. So, um, like I say, we have a lot going on today. Hopefully, I don't have to mess with this show too much. Hopefully, things just work. I worked on it as, uh, as much as I could yesterday And I think we've got it working right. We also have our first trucking, business, and finance group coaching call today. That is at 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. So it's 2 for me here in Central Time. Today is also the last day that you can get access to all of the group coaching for just $52 a month, and that's all you'll pay $52 a month as long as you stay in the program. You can stop the program anytime you want, but if you sign up on the $52 and then stop when you come back, it will be $72 the regular price. Anybody signing up after today will pay the regular price of $72 a month. You get access to all of the group coaching calls. So that means you're going to get four group coaching calls every month. Two for business, trucking, and finance, whether it's personal finance or business, retirement accounts, whatever. And two health coaching calls as well. So head on over to the website, get signed up, and I will see you today at uh, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, There was... uh, A little bit of fun on um, X last night, probably one of the most viral videos I've seen in a long time. If you haven't seen it or you didn't hear about it, it was all over uh, X. It's still being spread all over. So I guess there was some kind of conference. Uh, Elon Musk was there. I guess it was a pretty high-level conference of some kind, and Elon was being interviewed, and during the interview, the interview, um, if you see the clip, the interviewer says, well, well, what? You don't want them to advertise? And Elon, if you don't want to watch the whole interview, is referring to all of the companies that have threatened to pull their advertising off of X because they don't like the fact that it's free speech. I mean, that's what, that's what this really comes down to. These companies don't like the fact that Twitter is free speech. So they threatened to pull their advertising. So the interviewer was asking Elon about that. He said, so, so what? You don't want them to advertise? And Elon said, no. No, if they want to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, they can go F themselves. And this is in front of a large, large live audience. And the, the interviewer is shocked and he starts to stammer and he says, but, but, and Elon says, go F yourself. Is that clear enough? And then he looks up into the audience and he says, hi, Bob. And he's referring to Bob Iger of Disney, who is in the audience, who is one of the biggest that has threatened to pull their advertising. So people have gone uh, a little nuts over that. I agree. Uh, I'm glad we have somebody that owns a large social media platform that feels that way, and has that kind of money that he can tell them all to go f themselves, and he did. Um, like I said, it's being spread all over worldwide; pretty big deal. Um, other than that, calls are starting to come in, so I think we're going to, uh, I think we're going to get to the phones here. Let's. Um Let's get started in Texas. Howard, welcome to the program.
1: Morning, Kevin.
0: Well, our audio seems to be working. You can hear me and I can hear you, so that's a good start. What can I help you with today?
1: Hey, there you go. Uh, Angie sent you over an oil sample.
0: I think I did see that. Let me go check. There it is. All right, so we are looking at a C-15, what year?
1: 2006.
0: 2006. So this is an A cert. Any yeah. any kind of modifications yeah. 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 on the A or is everything intact? Yeah. Oh no, it's, it's it's deleted. So it's a single turbo?
1: It is a single turbo, and it's got. I know the miles there are like 1.7, but it it has about 275,000 miles on the uh, on the rebuild.
0: Okay. That's actually what you want to start putting in now for unit time. You want to put in the time since rebuild. Okay. So, and the oil has about 52,000 miles on it. Is that correct?
1: Oh, no, it's got 100,000 miles on it.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: Yeah, 108.
0: Oh, I see. For some reason, yours are listed backwards. I just realized that. Most of the time, the samples go in the other order. So I was looking at the bottom one. Oh, so we've got 108. Oh, yeah, no, it's on the top, yeah. Got it. Yeah, we've got 108. Are you using Catalyst? I am. Okay. one. won. Um, so the wear metals, I would... Uh, oh, wait a minute. I got I to gotta look at the top backwards, too. 165... Um, you know, I'm not overly concerned about the wear metals... The iron is high, but that's part of the catalyst. The chromium really at three with this many miles on the oil is virtually nothing. Uh, Even the three on the tin and the seven on the lead, I wouldn't worry too much about that. You've got a lot of miles on this oil. Uh, Fuel dilution, they flagged, it's fine. Soot is low, and this is a full synthetic, so your viscosity is all right. I I really don't see anything wrong with this sample at all. I know there's a lot of colors on here, but most of that is just because of how long you've run this oil.
1: Yeah, that's what I figured. You know, and I looked, I noticed that, you know, in the history also that these, you know, like the chromium and all that, aside from the nickel, these wear metals have, have you know been pretty consistent i mean the numbers obviously have changed but they're, they've always been present
0: yeah and they they build up slowly which is exactly what we would expect that wear metals are too fine for us to filter out they're smaller than three microns so even a bypass filter doesn't catch them but they're also small enough that they don't hurt anything we track them just so right. we can track wear patterns and, and i'm not seeing anything unusual I mean, you've had this oil in there a okay, long yeah. time and those are still low numbers
1: Right, because, I I mean, just a little concern, OPS did call me, the guys from Pittsburgh Power, and they they recommended that I sample that, uh, you know, at 10000 this time because they wanted to keep an eye on it. That's why I just wanted to call and and, uh, get a second opinion.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that I see any reason to sample any earlier. I mean, I'm not seeing any change that I'm concerned about. Maybe what they're looking at is that little bit of bearing wear.
1: Yeah, they were seeing. Uh, well, actually, it was concerned about the the iron, is what it was. That the iron went up so high. But I always thought, the, you know, the longer the oil's in there, especially using the catalyst, right, that the iron is going to keep just keep rising, right?
2: Yeah,
0: it does. And honestly, let me go back again. Um, it's not even excessive because of the catalyst. I mean, this this would be not that bad of a number, even if you weren't using catalyst.
1: Right. Well, it's good to know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're fine on this one.
1: I'll, I'll run the 25 and change it and then do a sample then again. I'll just keep an eye on it. If anything changes, I'll give you a heads up.
0: Perfect. All right. Thanks, Thanks for, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's. Uh, well, that was good news. Our first call went well. I do see on my meters, I'm getting more background noise than normal. Like I had a train going by and you shouldn't have been able to hear that. I must have a mic picking something up. I'm going to have to work on that, but I, I, the show's working. So that's, that's good news. Let's, uh, let's go to South Carolina. Terrence. Welcome.
3: What's up, Kev?
0: What can I help you with today?
3: Uh, I got two questions. So they, uh, did an appraisal on the house and it came back nice. It was three forty-five. She paid two Oh five for it in 2020.
4: Oh, wow. For
3: so money until it went up. Yeah. But I think I, so I was, that's what I'm concerned about a little bit. I'm like I get it. I put all the floors and change stuff around, so I don't know how accurate it is or if they're inflating it for a reason but
0: well I, there, you know, I don't I don't know it, you got it appraised through a realtor that's going to list it
3: no no because remember i'm buying I'm buying it from oh that's way. right I've been doing it. there's no realtor so, involved at all yeah, so it they're was pretty much the um you know the 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 comp the, the mortgage company.
0: Yeah, there, there's no reason for them to inflate the value because you're gonna. I mean, you're you're gonna buy it for whatever price you two agree on, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, no, whatever. Is, whatever she owes on it. Yeah, so you know, the, appraisal's,
0: it is the appraisals, the appraisals, meaningless.
3: Okay, that's so what I was. I just uh, and then then it was weird too because, you know, I'm just saying this so people watch out. If anyone anyway, is, i hopefully no one's buying right now because it's not time to buy, but. Uh, my circumstances are different, but they so, so the guy's like, Oh, you know, that appraised for uh, $345. You know, uh, if you want, we can adjust, you know, the out of pocket. You know, like this, I'm putting like 90000 down, and it's uh, they're trying to get me to finance finance for. And uh, I'm like, No, I don't need to, you know, yeah, of write, course. I write, write them in my is that the right thinking?
0: Oh, you're absolutely the right thinking they're trying to get you to uh, borrow more because that's how they make money you know if we were if we were still in a you know two percent mortgage market it might make a little sense to put less cash or or to uh, borrow more but but not not with interest rates like this with interest rates like this you put as much cash down you can as you can until it hurts.
3: Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. And then how does like like I forget like what's the insurance because I gotta I got obviously I gotta get insurance on it. But how do they base the insurance on on the house?
0: The insurance it, on the it house.
3: value it
0: is based on an appraisal, yeah, you know right? I mean? It's market value.
3: Okay. So well, my, it, my it's. going to go up with that.
0: It, it's technically a little different than market value. It's really market replacement value. value minus the land. So market value of your okay. home includes the land. Land isn't insurable because it's not going anywhere, whether the house burns down or you still have the land. So what they're looking at is, what is it going to cost the insurance company to rebuild this house on that property?
3: Uh, oh, as, you know, as you know, the way it was, basically. Right. right. Okay. Oh, cool. Alright. And then uh, Leanne's fine. She did the last thing, came on. She's just- Feeling good and all that. Good. A little nauseous this morning, but she, uh, she's doing good. She's in good spirit, So Good to hear. But I think they're going to scan her in a couple of weeks. I think it was two weeks from now and see what's going on with the thing. And we'll know more of so it all. Okay. She, things are looking good. Good. For me, good. At, least, at least the way I feel that way. <laughs> yeah,
0: Good to hear. All right. Cam, thanks. All right. Talk to you all soon. Right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Texas. Paul, welcome. Howdy. Can you hear me now? I can. What's on your mind Hello? today?
5: Oh, okay. Uh, banking technology. So because of the size of New Zealand, it's about 5 million people, but it's completely isolated. They actually test out a lot of banking technology down there. So, like, when I first came over here in 2000, and some of the banking stuff that you did, it's like, God, that's primitive over here. Well... My sister went to the grocery store. She said this started happening in 2020 when COVID showed up. And she said, you know, grocery stores with you know, self-checkout and stuff like that. And she said, on you'd, you'd walk up to the register and the start. As soon as you scanned the first item, it would pop up on the screen. This register accepts cash, card or digital currency. Hmm. Because you can't use a cheque in New Zealand. That that don't work anymore. Really? No checking system. Yeah, we've been like that for a couple of years now. Huh? And there's no pennies either. The smallest smallest coin we have is a ten cent coin. Really? So if you're paying with cash, if you're paying with cash, if something's ninety one cents, it goes down. If it's ninety six cents, it goes up. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Yeah. And a couple of retailers, if it's 95, they can go either way. The, the big ones that want it, your business or the small ones that want your business, they'll round it down.
0: You know what i so If you're a wonder. Yeah, so. yeah it certainly sounds but like... when
5: it's digital, when it's... Go ahead. When it's digital, they get the exact amount.
0: Huh. So
5: when she went to the grocery store the other day, she went to that same register that she normally goes to. And she said the only option was card or digital. There was only two registers at the at the grocery store that accepted cash.
0: Wow. Yeah, we yeah. should keep an eye on that because so. that's probably what's uh, what's coming everywhere else. Like you said, that's that's kind of a good sandbox for them to experiment with that kind yeah, of stuff. That. You know what I was yeah. a little shocked about? I don't even remember where I was. Um, oh, I was coming out of Florida. Uh, Up on the Panhandle, and there's a toll bridge there and a toll road um, coming out of the Panhandle heading west. And I was shocked when I pulled up the woman in front of me. I mean, there was only one lane open. There wasn't a lot of traffic. There was one car in front of me. And she's sitting there, and they're passing stuff back and forth, and this piece of paper. And then I realized she didn't have the money to pay, and they were figuring out whatever they had to fill out to do that. So I pull up and I hand the guy my credit card and he looks at me and he says, we don't take credit cards. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? And he said, no, cash or check. And I thought, how ignorant is that? They'll accept a check from somebody driving through here, but they won't accept a credit card? (laughs) Now, here's the other thing. So the guy, so when he said that, he said, cash or check, I pull my credit card back in and I reach over to get my wallet so I can give him cash. And I start to hand him the cash and he looks at me and he says, it's too late. I already hit the button that you're not paying. And I said, well, undo it. Hit the other button then because I am paying. And he said, no, I can't do that. He said, you're going to get a bill in the mail and you're just going to have to fight it. And then he took my money. And I said, well, wait a minute. Just give me my money back then if I'm going to get a bill in the mail. And he says, no, I've already checked that, that you paid. And I said, you just told me you checked that I didn't pay. And he said, I did. Yeah. I, I said, so, oh, you can check that I didn't pay and then check that I did pay, and now I'm going to have to pay again, and I have to fight it. I, I can't yeah. imagine what right. that toll booth is like when it's busy. Yeah. So.
5: So I was trying to explain to a guy the other day about how one of the ways that Joel is how he can pay Travis more money. He can pay him hourly and mileage and pay him more money. And he's like, well, how can he do that? Because he said the rates are low. And I said, well, he saves so much money on fuel. And because he's running team, he's lowered some of his fixed costs. Correct. Because he's running team, his insurance costs is lower per mile. His, his registration and all that stuff is lower per mile. His big, couldn't understand it. His so. big
0: equipment payments, yeah. truck and trailer payments are lower per mile, the more miles you run. That's how you lower a fixed cost. You run more more paid miles.
6: Yeah,
5: and that truck's running all day and all right. night. Well, I don't know if it's running all day and all night, but it's running a whole lot more than 11 or 12 hours a what, day. So,
7: what,
0: I, Yeah. How is it that people can't understand third grade math because that's all this is? Maybe because they went through the public school system with the, the government indoctrination centers. That's that's probably the reason because this is pretty simple math. Yes, the rates are low, but when you control your expenses, there's still profit, more profit. That that's yeah, the well whole I- point of controlling your expenses. They, they get so focused on this rate and they can't understand anything else. I, I posted the other day on social media that this number that keeps being spread around in the industry now that it costs $2.28 a mile to run a truck, owner-operators and small fleets should ignore that. It has nothing to do with them. That is an average cost of big fleets. Big fleets have the hardest time controlling cost. And everybody thinks it's the opposite. Yeah. Oh, they get their trucks so cheap. They get their fuel so cheap. No, they don't. They don't get huge discounts on trucks. They really don't. That it, Nastic's fuel card beats the hell out of most big fleets' fuel discount. And an owner-operator and a small fleet can control their fuel consumption as well as where they buy. So this idea yeah. of, oh, it takes $2.28 a mile to run a truck. Oh, hell no, it doesn't.
5: Yeah, well, I have a 10-and-a-half-year-old truck, but a brand-new trailer. I do get a good discount on the fuel. I do not use the NASDAQ card. I have the Comdata card through my company, which... Sometimes my discount is actually better than NASTIC price. It can
0: actually. be at certain places, right?
5: It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty close to the same price, though. Yeah, I, it, I might beat them by a couple of cents here
0: and there. The way that,
5: it doesn't cost me $2.28 to run down the road.
0: Well, and you're a car hauler. and you're, Yeah, you're a car hauler. Yeah. You have higher maintenance cost with that trailer. You certainly have higher fuel cost. So uh, if, yep. yeah, so that 228 a mile is, is basically a fairy tale. It's a meaningless number, and yet everybody's, well, look, the, the rates are $1.80, and it cost me 220, I'm going to go broke. Well, well, yeah, you are. If it really does cost you 220 a mile to run your truck, you are going to go broke. But there's no reason it should cost you that much:
5: I'm going to be 50 percent empty this week. So well, I left home on Sunday. I drove nearly 500 miles to pick up a load that was going 300, well, the first stop was about 330 miles away, and then probably another 50 miles total to the end of it, and I still made money. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be 50% empty this week. Three loads done, and I'll be back home tomorrow night, and I still made money, and it did not cost me 228 a mile So. What people
0: really aren't realizing this time, but this is the perfect example of what I've been trying to tell people for about 30 years, stop focusing on the rate all the time and focus on your cost and get them down. This time, the rate is not the problem. These are not horrible rates. They're about the 10-year average right now. The problem this time is cost cost is through the roof and if you've done nothing yep. to control your cost you're in trouble
1: yeah
5: <clears throat> and you're talking about elon well when i went through austin texas on tuesday afternoon i look in the mirror and it's like oh hell here comes a cyber truck coming up beside me oh boy he, he pulled across in front of <laughs> yeah so uh they're, I don't see what the big appeal is. That's kind of ugly, if you ask me, but it, each to it, their own. So, you know, so I, I stand with Elon. I, they can I, go after themselves. I,
0: exactly. <laughs> I, I, I say this all the time that I don't like to make predictions because I don't like to be wrong. And I made a prediction about the Cybertruck, and I was wrong. When they brought it out, I, I've got a post back there somewhere I remember making. I said, this is a parody. They will never sell this truck and I was completely pre- wrong <laughs> they are selling that thing it is I I, I haven't looked at it it's enough to know big. is it big Could, it
5: looks it, pretty big just but it's so odd shaped looking but it looks fairly wide and but it, I, I did see a meme on Facebook and it, what happens when a door uh, DeLorean
0: and a Chevy Avalanche get together. You get <laughs> a that, that's a pretty good. That's a good analogy. Yeah. I, that that makes a lot of sense. I also did see yeah. that it, it it and they are selling them right now. They're being delivered, so you are going to start seeing them on the roads. Um, I also saw that I, I don't know if this is for sure yet, but I think they're going to start offering wraps on the body. So if you don't want to be just. All stainless steel, like the rest of them, you can at Please, least change yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Now it might uh, be, I, but I, I, it I might be see, pretty interesting see buy, to see it in wraps. If
5: you buy one, yeah, if yeah, they, they could be any color, or right. Whatever, any design. Yeah. If you, I did see that if you buy one and you sell it within the first twelve months and you you profit out of it, you're going to pay a penalty to Elon. He's got it set up that way.
0: Really yeah well that's bizarre.
5: yeah so could, because he can only make so many of them but there's quite a waiting list apparently so but if you sell it you buy it and then you sell it within the first 12 months and you make a big profit out of it you you've signed a contract that you're going to pay a penalty so
0: Wow yeah. Wow
5: so, huh. because like when the, when the new mid-engine Corvette came out, it was people were buying them and sending, what, the dealers that were getting them, they were sending them to the auction and getting 50% more than sticker price. Uh,
0: it, that's happened on a lot of vehicles over the years. The, uh, uh, the G-Wagon, for the last couple of years, if you wanted a Mercedes G-Wagon, you couldn't get one. You had to pay significantly, oh, yeah, crazy, right? significantly over cost. Um, I remember a couple other. I think the Mazda Miata, when it first came out, had that going on. There there have been some vehicles over the years that have. I've never, ever, though, seen a manufacturer write a contract that if you sell it for a profit, they get a piece of it.
5: Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it was the exact truth, but that's I saw it on Facebook, so it must be true.
0: It must be true, yeah. I'm, I'm going to look that up. That's kind of interesting. You know, I have no problem with him doing it. It's up to him. It just seems like kind of an odd thing. And I, I'm, well, first off, um, even if I liked the thing and I really don't, um, I have decided I'm not buying an electric car no matter how much I might want one because they've screwed up the whole thing and I'm not going to participate.
5: Yeah, well, uh, uh, electric semi in Australia, you know, they tout this electric semi and it, it's all over Facebook the last couple of days because it, it caught fire and it's cement tanker and the the, you know, the dry cement powder. Yeah. And it, it, it burned to the ground. So,
0: yeah. So. You know, I, I, I was so seriously so. I, I was seriously considering the next new car I bought and I don't it may be a long time before I buy anything. Um, but I, I was thinking I might be buying one in the next year or two and I remember saying my next car will be a Tesla. I really want to try an electric car. And it would have been yep. virtually ideal for me. It would charge at home. The range would get me anywhere I wanted to go and back with that car. And if I needed to go someplace on a longer trip and didn't want to mess with electric, I have other vehicles. So it really would have been convenient for me. I would think they're less expensive. I think the cost of electricity I have at home would be cheaper than gas if I did all my own charging. But I I am so disgusted with this whole green electric push that I'm just not going to participate.
5: You put chickens in, a hay in the back of a Tesla. What's that? <laughs> could you put chickens and a hay bale in the back of a Tesla?
0: I don't see why not. I think I could do in it. Car,
5: you do whatever you're right. That's right. Yeah, so. That's right. Right. I'll carry on. All right.
0: Well, keep us updated on that um, New Zealand banking stuff. That's kind of interesting. All right. So our phone system seems to be working. I don't want to jinx anything, but if we get the phone system working, that takes care of about 80% of our uh, broadcast issues and problems. The other 20% are usually internet, and um, the Starlink, thanks to Elon Musk, has improved that a lot if I would just stop abusing my Starlink. Um, My satellite dish is in such bad shape, I can't even believe it still works. I've dropped it, I've burnt the cable in half and had to rewire it. I had to tear the cover all apart to get into it and fix it from the time I dropped it. Um, I've got plastic wrap around it to try to keep the water out of it now, Uh, and yet it's still working. So, hopefully if that holds up and, uh, and this phone system works better than our last one. Maybe we won't have all the annoying technical difficulties I've been fighting with lately. Phone lines are open. I've got one call I'm going to get to right now. If you want to jump in, it is a free-for-all. I almost gave you the old number. Here's the new number, 319-527-6791. Go ahead and dial that right now and jump in. If you've got a question, a comment, a topic, anything goes. Let's uh, let's go to Alabama. Mark, welcome to the program.
8: Good morning. Um, so I told her my what I wanted to talk about was customer relations. I posted a video this morning to you. I don't know if you saw it or not from the, that lady broker again, but I'm, I'm gonna tell a story about me yesterday and then I'll talk about that video. Uh, anyway, so yesterday uh, it's like I, I unloaded took a load to uh, Louisiana, and then everybody over here in Alabama and and, uh, Georgia are slow right now with releasing. So everybody's fighting. So I called up my customer, and I said, hey, I got a proposal for you. I said, you called me last week, but I already had a load booked and wanted me to do some loads out of this one load point south of Houston. And I said I was already booked. But I said, if you'll get me out of there tomorrow back to Texas, I'll do at least three loads for you out of there, out to Austin and San Antonio, and help you out to relieve some of your – and she thought about passing along, and then she called me back, she goes, hey, they're going to take you up on that offer. They'll get you a load here in a little while. So I'm loading. I'll be loading while you're having your course and uh, going back, and then I'll figure out which of these loads I can work over the weekend to get get them a couple – two or three or more loads. Because it doesn't pay bad. It pays good. You just – you, they're just like 200 miles. They're out from, from Freeport to Austin and San Antonio and, and the and hill country out there. So you basically just go out and come back. But, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing when you, 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 you t- ask for something, you know, when they need help and they ask you for help. It's like, well, if you'll help me here, I'll help you here. And, and I explained to them, I said, I never cancel loads if a rate goes higher somewhere else. I said, whatever I book, I stick with, I stay with it. And I will haul your load. It doesn't matter if they offer a thousand dollars more on a load. I'm like, because in the long run, it all evens out. I'm like, I'm not going to sacrifice a relationship with you all for a few extra dollars. that over the long run really doesn't matter at all. You know, that's
0: the difference between haggling and win-win negotiating. You can only yeah. really negotiate when you have a relationship, and there are things to negotiate other than price. If all you're doing is trying to negotiate price, not really negotiating. It's haggling, and it's win-lose. Yeah. One party wants a certain amount, the other party wants a different amount, and everything else is a compromise. There's no win-win when it's just price. That's why relationships are so important, because like you just did, you didn't haggle price. You said, look, you know, give me this one and I'll help you with these. That That's where the win-win negotiation comes in. They don't have to try getting rid of some of those more difficult loads with new carriers and take a risk. They've got one of their better carriers covering that for them. Uh, of course, they'll reward you for that.
8: So... So what I'm gonna this video I posted to you and I tagged Craig Fuller in it also. So that lady was talking about she had a customer call and they needed the load with special equipment to go from Florida to California. So she found she 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 quoted a price, then she put it out there. and She settled on a price. Well, she put it out there and found a carrier that's willing to do it for this price. Then she sent it off to the the her customer with with a certain price. Everything was good. The guy agreed to to haul it for this. For a rate, he agreed. It was he was happy. Well, he gets there to load, and he pulls out the rate contract and asks the uh, the shipper, "Is this a fair rate?" And the shipper turned around, and said, "Well, do you think it's a fair rate? You agreed to it. Did you did you ha- did, is it you didn't you agree to this rate?" And he goes, "Yeah, weren't you happy with it? Yeah. Well, why are you asking me if it's a fair rate?" And then and then the then the, then he asked. He turns around and asks the, the customer. And he goes, "Well, what did she pay you?" And I'm paraphrasing all this, and he's like, "That's none of your business. I'm happy with what she charged me. So, and I, I like doing business with her. And so, so what happened was the customer called and said, "Hey, just don't send this guy back anymore. We, we don't want to do business with him anymore." Because right. and, and then she told the story I just told you because he he turned it around and she, he was he was happy with the rate, but then he goes to the shipper. And then the uh, the moral of the story is the shippers all know what's going on, and they don't want to deal with solicitation, which is why they use a broker. And these people do not understand that that these people talk. (laughs) People that know each other talk, and they share information, and if they think that that they're going to go show something to a, a shipper, the shippers already know what everything is, and they're happy with what everybody's getting paid and they're happy with who they're dealing with because they like who they're dealing with. And these people that wanna go and, and say, look for transparency, they really don't understand how people operate in general.
0: They they clearly don't understand basic business concepts. This is just like the accounting I was talking a little bit ago. They, they don't understand that cutting cost is how you run a business. That, that's what business is. You have to be able to provide value. And if, if your costs are so high that all you can do is run around screaming, nobody's paying you enough, that doesn't provide value to anybody. Nobody wants to talk to you about that. They, they want their freight moved at a reasonable price. And sure, rates are down, but rates were up for several years, and the shippers were the ones getting hurt by it. That's how business works, it goes in cycles. But to, to you know, I, I can remember on one of the spaces, and I brought up the fact that, and I say this all the time, um, I, I'm not even sure why I have to keep saying this or why it's so shocking. But I tell owner-operators and small carriers, the the broker's your customer. When are you going to start treating them like a customer? And I think that time it was Mac that was screaming back at me, they're not my customer. And I said, "Uh, who paid you? That doesn't matter. They're an intermediary. "Well, Well, what does that mean? Everybody's an intermediary. that's meaningless and I said okay if the broker the one that cut you the check isn't your customer who is and he didn't have an answer and he hemmed and hawed around and then he said well well, the shipper is and then I said well you've got a problem because you don't have a relationship with the shipper and they don't want one with you so now what are you going to do now you have no customer who are you going to provide customer service to and, and they don't understand it, that that's how business works. You serve yeah, a they, customer. Yeah, they, these,
8: shippers, these, shippers these shippers have contracts to have their, their freight moved. They do not want some driver to come in there and start a- asking about rates or whatever. They've already settled that. And it's like, they want it moved. So you go there and you treat them with dignity and respect, whether they're nice or not. I mean, the good thing about hauling cars, you go load them yourself, you check out. You get to know people around there. Everybody's cordial with everybody, but you don't – There's you. I don't even discuss rates with uh, – I mean, I'll ask what something pays because I'm not looking at it. Like yesterday, she gave me two choices. I could either go to College Station in Katy. I could do a four-stop San Antonio. The only question after the price I asked was, how big is this load versus that load? Because if it was ridiculously big, I'd have taken the four stops. Right. So, you know, they actually offered me a choice of, of two different loads. And those loves didn't hit the internal board. They came directly to me because I have this relationship, which I still like. It, it just amazes me that I have this. But it's like, you know, I, I'm just very humble about the fact that these people that I treat them well, and then I, in return, it's like I guess that I guess they're not used to dealing with somebody like me, because you know I'm I've, I've just very, you know. And the lady I talked to, she's new with the company, but we carried on some conversations because I said, I know you're new. This is how I've traditionally worked because I said, look, I am one guy with one truck. I said, there are companies that you all use in the Houston area and other that, that have a dispatcher that sits there because they have multiple trucks and they refresh the board all day long. I, I, I'm like, I said, the guy that was there before you know, the change was made, before he retired, I said, he understood that, and I said, I'm just letting you know that I don't have the capability to sit there and refresh a board all the time. I I about know when loads will hit, but I don't have that capability. So, you know, did I ask for special consideration? Yes, but I gave them something in return that, you know, because they called and asked me to help them out uh, uh, last Wednesday, and I said, I've already booked the load for Friday, Saturday. I said, I need one coming back. Well, they got me one to come back, and then when I did book this other load, over yesterday i thought well there's nothing showed up on the board so i called him i said you know what can we do here because you know i didn't want to go back empty and i wanted to get one of these better paying loads and i'm like so i was already looking at these loads i could do and it's like you know it is a win-win situation and it's like i don't haggle over i mean rates are what they are in the car hauling business it's like you know there maybe with a broker you could you know a traditional broker not a carrier broker you can you know ask for some some consideration or whatever but not here you just it's they are what they are so it's contract so yeah, but, you know, you know it, it's just
0: I even see, you know, we we've got groups again in trucking that are they're screaming for the government to mandate some sort of a minimum rate to carriers and mandate some sort of maximum profit to brokers. That is so socialistic. I, I can't even believe that they don't understand that. That the last thing in the world we want is the government setting any kind of a rate in trucking. That's not even enough for them. They want to go back and and eliminate the Motor Carrier Act of 1980 and they want the government to to set rates again in trucking. They don't even understand how it works. They don't understand that if that were to happen, the government would have to cancel a whole bunch of authority right now. And and who gets to decide whose authority gets canceled?
8: See, they don't think that they're not incapable. They're incapable of thinking about things like that on that level. All they're, they're looking for is they, is they have a victim mentality. They they, they look at themselves that they're the victim because they don't understand competition. They don't understand that you know. When I had some issues with my EGR cooler and I ran to Pittsburgh Power a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to Redneck the day before yesterday. It's like as soon as I know there's a problem, I'm like, let me find a solution to it. I don't worry about. Everything, everything else takes care of itself. My relationships with these customers that take care that takes care of itself. I don't sit here and worry about what will happen. Everything seems to take care of itself. I con- I'm concerned with just day-to-day operations and, and doing a good job and being being making giving quality service and for the pay I get and. I don't worry about what the government does. I don't worry about nickel and di- Anybody that worries about nickel and diming, I can tell you they're broke. Correct. Because if they're worried about, right. the do- you know, if they're sitting there wanting to take, like I told, like there's some people in this end of my side of the industry, and it's probably everywhere, they'll, if they see a better paying load, they'll cancel the load and take that better paying. If you're that bad off that $500 to $1,000 is going to make a difference in what you do, then you have a problem, and it's not with the rates.
0: Yeah. Well, really, we could bring this down to two things. Everybody's struggling right now with the truck. Serve your customer, cut your cost. That's it. That's all you should be focused on right now. Serve your customer, cut your cost. And they don't want to talk about that. They want to scream that it's everybody else's fault.
8: Well, well no, they got into the business at the top end. With, and and, and they, they wanted a truck so bad that they took bad interest rates, high interest rates back then opposed to what's now. And it's like, even back when I bought this truck, I went with the credit union, and I think I'm at 4% or something like that. I yeah. looked at my loan the other day, and, and you know, uh, Bank of Harris wanted like 20% or 30%, something ridiculous. And you, they don't look at the cost of capital. You know, people think, well, I'll just get a truck, and it'll all take care of itself. No, it doesn't do that. You have to look at the cost of capital. How much, you, how much is this? How much are you going to have to pay somebody to use their money to do what you yeah. need to do? It, That's and what even, it boils down to. When you simplify it, you have to pay somebody interest to use their money, and they're going to determine if you're a risk to get it back, because they don't want to repo your old truck. They don't. Well, they just want, they want to give you some money, and they want a return from you using their money. That's what it boils down to. That's what a loan is, but people don't look at it that way. I don't know what they, how they look at it, but well, I, I, you know, I, when
0: you, when you look at, I, I can't count how many times I said, no, don't buy a truck. Now you can't fix that mistake. Some mistakes you can fix. That's one you can't. The minute you sign that on an overpriced truck with overpriced financing, you're done. You can't, that mistake will haunt you forever. But even after they make those kind of mistakes, and I'm talking to them and telling them, look, you've got to start cutting your costs. Let's look at fuel mileage. Oh, it's not going to matter. All right. <laughs> if cutting costs won't matter, then you should just hang up the keys and get out of business right now.
8: I mean, I'm, I, I watch all my costs. I mean, I don't know, you know, and I'll ask people, somebody posted on a Facebook thing the other day about, Oh, if you do this, it'll be this in fuel. And I figured out what it would take me in fuel and what it, what, what he was quoting in fuel. I said, well, you're paying seventy-eight cents a gallon for fuel. My current cost, what it recently dropped, my current cost on the 30, 30 uh, day average is sixty-two cents a mile. Right. And I'm like, right. do you see a problem here? Uh, well, it's the cost, and uh, you you can't people. They 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 have it. They have their blinders on that it's like because they drove a truck, they should be you know God should have come down and anointed them with business skills. Yeah, that's the way they I, look. No, that's the way uh, they look at it.
0: I get it. Hey. I got to move along. Um, we do have lines open. Uh, I'll stay here as long as you've got questions today. We do have our group coaching, but that's not until uh, three o'clock. So we have plenty of time here. Jump in and join us. You can either use the call in button on the app, that's been updated and it works just fine, or you can call us on the new number. I'll give that to you right now 319 five two seven six seven nine one also today is the last day to sign up for group coaching on the discounted rate group coaching is seventy two dollars a month and you can start and stop any month you want but you have one more day to lock in your group coaching at fifty two dollars a month for as long as you stay in the program Let's go to Minnesota this time. Mick, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, I sent
9: uh, uh, a report over to you on uh, my wife and I's um, investment stuff. Um, Didn't know if you saw that there. Uh,
0: Uh, I've got it here. Uh, Do you have a specific question? I'm just kind of looking it over right now and figuring out what I'm looking at here. Do you have a specific question or just uh, generalities
9: um generally i a little background i um i was joking with angie you know i just i it's it's something that i know that we're supposed to, you know a person needs to do but it's i've been just completely hands off with it for years and anyway my wife and i had a meeting with our vet um uh just a couple weeks ago Actually, actually wasn't even my Normal guy. He was. Yeah, his daughters were sick or something. So this other guy filled in. And anyway, I I I guess if if I understand it right, it's it's earned only earned like four and a quarter percent over this whole time,
0: which is no. Am I under? Okay. Well, here's part of the problem. One, there's 20 pages on this report, 20 very, very detailed pages on this report. Now, I don't need to look at all of them, but this is one of those things that would require the group coaching. I mean, I can glance at this and maybe pull a couple things out, but I have to be careful that I don't make a statement based on one thing when I haven't really gone through this report. There's a lot of data in sure. here. It looks like this covers quite a few years. Um, one of the, yeah, things I think it I, goes back to like
9: 2015.
0: Yeah. So. One of the things I do see, I don't like the asset mix at all. Uh, how old are you? I am 51. My wife is 52. Yeah. It, it, see again, what I'm looking at is your current asset mix. I don't know if somewhere else in these 20 pages I might find more information, but your current asset mix to me is awful. I mean, they've got you 33% in bonds. I'm sorry. Okay, I I really, I like completely don't understand
9: this. I I know it's 60-40. I've heard that that's a pretty common mix. Um, The guy did tell me like this year was the only year that bonds and mutual funds have Declined every other year. well, and then you know, so you kind of want me to put more money into it, which I know the Roth IRAs could be funded better, but I, I just well, yeah, but we I have to
0: separate two yeah. things. We have to separate some things. They're trying to get okay. you to contribute more, and they're going after the tax aspect of it. I could completely agree with them on that, but a Roth has no tax benefit right now. You get zero tax benefit to contribute to a Roth right now. The benefit all comes at the end. I'm fine with that. I actually like it. But what they're they're not talking about is how poorly this has performed. They want you to put more and more money into something that is performing horribly. See, I don't even understand why we tell people to have a mix, to have a mix of stocks and bonds. It's supposed to protect us, but it never does. And we can see here it didn't. You're only making 4% a year. If you did nothing but move all this money out of this crazy mix that has, you have 10 different asset classes. That's not to mention how many investments. You've got intermediate. I'm I'm assuming that they're getting fees off all those. That's why there's so many. Yeah, they make, they make, they're making money on you. So I just Mm -hmm. want to go through this. You've got intermediate and long-term high-quality U.S. bonds. You've got mid-cap U.S. equities. You've got large-cap U.S. equities. You've got large-cap foreign equities. You've got small-cap U.S. equities. You've got emerging market equities. You've got market-neutral stocks. You've got some commodities, and you've got some mid-cap growth, and then you've got some cash equivalents. Those are just the asset classes. That doesn't even break down the individual investments within those classes. I don't know why anybody would have a big old complicated mix like this that returns 4% whether it's a good year or a bad year when the S&P 500 returns 8 to 10%. I don't know why we tell people to have a mix. From the time you start okay. investing up until the time you're about 55, just put all your money into equities. They grow. You're going to have some bad years. But, but bonds almost never perform well. And, and we keep calling them a hedge or a protection. A protection against what? Let the stocks go up. Let them go down. Because over time, the S&P 500 outperforms almost everything. I don't know why we just... The standard advice should be, if you don't know anything about investing and you don't want to know, put your money into the S&P 500 till you're 50 to 55, and then maybe we'll adjust after that. Okay.
9: So I'm, <laughs> I'm just over 50. What do I, what, I mean, I know that you, and I'm willing to do possibly the coaching. My wife is a little nervous about making anything worse. You know, she just wants to, you know, obviously we have, we have a little social security, so, you know, the both of us. And then we have well, this and then well, what if we look she at has it some
0: th- stuff with her job. But what if we look at it this way? The the inflation rate. I realize it's coming down now, but only because they play with the numbers. They pull the really important stuff out of the numbers, like energy and food, which is the two things killing mm-hmm. everybody with inflation. The inflation rate has been six, seven, eight percent. If we look at it correctly, you are losing money every year in this You're losing investment. Losing
8: four percent. Correct. <laughs>
0: Correct, and that people don't understand okay. there is a risk to not investing, and there is a risk to investing incorrectly. And that risk is inflation never goes away. We can't bury our money in the backyard and, and think we're not losing money. We are. Okay. So, so where I, do I?
9: What? Where do I go from here? I, I am. I'm obviously I'm not pleased with this guy. They've had my stuff for all these years, I have, I, you know, your, your coaching option. Um, I could maybe try to move some of this into something in myself, or I could probably take a little, like, you know, a
0: few thousand out of my savings and just to see, just to learn with that instead. Um, well, here's, here's one of the problems. Um, here's one of the problems we're going to face. And, and I, I might be able to convince you because you sound pretty reasonable I don't want anybody to take this incorrectly, but it sounds like just a little bit I've heard that your wife might be a little more emotional about this. And that's not unusual. Women tend to be more emotional. Men can be, too. But in general, women tend to be more emotional. And emotions in investing are bad news. They just are. We've got to set the emotions aside. But here's the problem. It, it, and I, I realized that I have to deal with people's expectations and their emotions when we're talking about their money. The problem with me making any recommendations right now, everything's going down and I fully expect it to continue right. going down. So there's nothing I yep. could recommend to you that you're going to come back to me in six months and go, man, that was awesome advice. I'm up to, you know, 8% now. It's not going to happen. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't make changes, but this is why I got out of the financial planning business because it was too hard to manage people's expectations. This is very common for people to start looking at their investments right now because everything's doing bad. Well, it is, and it's going to continue. So if my, my advice is going to be based on the next year's performance, then I'm not going to give anybody financial advice because I can promise you, you will be disappointed.
9: That makes, I, yeah, I get get that. And I'm, I'm not uh, nearly as I guess afraid of a risk that I I have a, you know, I've been in business for enough years. I understand, you know, there, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, (laughs) but uh, um, clearly this is not doing well. And, you know, like you said, One of the things they're making a lot of fees off of, or a lot of income off of
0: me not. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the things I could recommend for you right now, you don't even have to join the coaching for this because I can tell you in about 30 seconds. Figure out a percentage that both you and your wife are comfortable with to move out of this fund. Leave the fund the way it is. Don't change anything within the fund. Pull some money out or invest some new money, do nothing but put it into an S&P 500 index fund. And just watch it. And then watch it and compare these two. Okay.
4: All right, well,
9: uh, I will look at that. I'm considering since today's the last day that maybe I will join that coaching thing and see if I can learn to understand this a little. I really don't want to, I will be honest with you, but um, at the same time, I need to be responsible to make sure that we're doing whatever we can. Um, so um, I guess a person should have a basic understanding of it when you're talking about those kind of dollars.
0: Yeah, like, like I said, we have so overcomplicated all of this financial planning with these ratios and boy, you gotta be diversified. And, and, and we have so many people so over-diversified and yours is. Is that this is a horrible okay. portfolio mix, in my opinion, and it, and the performance okay. shows. You are really only making a little over four percent a year, and in the last couple of years, you haven't even kept up with inflation.
9: All right. So I know a while ago you kind of explained it was like four quadrants. Um, you you move. You know, if you like, you say if you just leave it in the S and P five hundred and it begins to grow. Should you move some of that growth to something safe again, or you just say, leave it alone and just the, let the, it do its
0: thing? This is the other big variable and factor we have to deal with. And again, it, it's why I, it, it, there are lots of reasons I stopped doing this. It, a big one was mm-hmm. I I had to be licensed in every state that I wanted to help somebody with. If I wanted to, enter. That was outrageously expensive and time consuming. I might end up with three or four people in that state. I I was losing money between all my fees and my time invested. So I couldn't get enough truck drivers investing with me to cover my cost in all these states. But the other one is is really, uh, it's hard to make anybody happy. And, uh, you know, this this stuff goes down. There's no way to protect it. The idea of, you know, should we keep moving stuff out into something safer? Not in my opinion, not from age, you know, whenever you start till somewhere in your 50s, I would just want to stay in good solid equities. The the S&P 500 is easy. And why move out? The, the, the only time we need to move into safety is when we're so close to you needing that money, we can't take the chance on a big downturn because there's not enough time for you to get it back. But that's a, a risk thing that's different for everybody. I am, I am sure. not risk averse at all. I, I will take that risk because I can look at the numbers and say, I don't see a whole lot of risk in that. But some okay. people can't and some people, like I said, if I were to move all of your money into an S&P 500 right now and it drops 30 percent in the next year, which it could do, then everybody is pissed off. And and believe it or not, I have to worry about attorneys when the market drops like that and portfolios lose a bunch of money. Attorneys go after the financial planners. Now, that makes
9: sense. That's probably part of why they diversify it so much.
0: It, right. Because they, they can't be attacked that way. That's kind of an industry, sure. but, but look what we've done. We've now made the, the, um, investment companies and the attorneys rich. Yeah. And who gets screwed? That. Right, yeah. Who gets screwed in this? The investment company makes a ton of money, even though you're not making any money. And if it goes bad enough, and the attorney gets involved, he'll make a bunch of money, and it's the investors that get screwed. Uh, yeah, it's
9: a I horrible industry. Listening to that creature from Jekyll Island book,
0: and it seems to be a theme throughout history. Actually, it does. I know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I love capitalism, but this, this is the dark side of capitalism. Yeah, the really smart, funny people figured and, and, out ways to just... And I don't, you know, the answer yeah. is not to get rid of capitalism, because it is the best system we've ever discovered. You know, letting the government control any of this stuff is a horrible idea. The answer, though, and I don't know how we get more of it, the answer is education. We just need to educate people to, about how these things work and, and how to get the most out of them. But instead, we've got this system where people are so confused about money because the financial planning industry makes it as complicated as they can. Okay, yeah.
9: All right. Well, I think I think you kind of answered my question. Um, I know you had the beef or, or, you know, but I uh, – given
0: me some direction to go with. I appreciate, appreciate that. Yes. All right. Well, uh, think about that. If you wanted more longer term advice and me to dig in deeper and, you know, maybe get your wife involved and see if we can change her expectations. Some that would be the group coaching. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. Let's, um, let's go to Arizona. Mark, welcome to the program.
4: Hey Kevin, long time no talk to, listen to, and all that other happy stuff. I retired last year and I uh, uh, sat around the house for a year after I sold a couple of trucks and kept a hold of one uh, vintage model '84 Peterbilt. And I just went back to work this month. Got my own authority and uh, bought a used trailer and out here, kind of doing the hobby deal. So okay. trying to get caught back up on the industry. So What did
0: I do wrong? Well, I don't know that you did anything wrong. It almost sounds like you were listening to one of my shows when truck prices and trailer prices were at their peak. I actually said that that a good strategy here for a small carrier, if you could pull it off, might be to sell all of your equipment and sit back and watch for a while. That's exactly what I did. Yeah.
4: I think it was a perfect, it was a perfect time to retire, but I failed at retirement. I just, uh, we had a brutal summer out here in Arizona. It was just too hot to
0: do anything. And I didn't hibernate well. I'm glad you failed that retirement. I think it's a horrible concept. (laughs) Yeah,
4: it is. It was just horrible for me. And thank goodness. I I kept, I kept this vintage model, Peter bill. I opened the doors now and I, I don't even have to lock it because it's got its own alarm system. It's got a, a six and a four in it, so <laughs> I don't think 90% of the people on Earth can even move it, so I don't even lock the doors, and it's just uh,
6: it's, uh, it's
4: self-alarm, you know. That's so, right, yeah. Uh, but I I needed to welcome back uh, the only thing that's got me confused in the industry that I didn't pay attention to before. Is I was always leased out to a carrier in California. So it was, they did all the, uh, right. all the back office stuff. So now I'm having to do that. And is this factoring thing, is that something new? No. Or did I just miss the boat 10, 10 or
6: 20
0: you, years ago? It, it, factoring has exploded for a reason. Um, f- when we were down to really, really cheap interest rates and the factoring rates had got down to two or three percent and they were offering some other services and you could maybe kind of make an argument for it and, and i'm being really generous there i do not like factoring at all here's the here's the problem with factoring so when you see it let's see let's say you went to go factor your freight right now and factoring is just financing your freight bills is what it is so when a Let's say a carrier does not want to wait 30 days to get paid by the broker or the shipper. So, And many of them can't afford to wait 30 days. That's their big problem. So what they do then is they sell that invoice to a factor, a factoring company. So the factor says, okay, we'll pay you for this load right now. We'll hold on to your invoice and we'll collect from the shipper or the broker. Now, of course, to do that, you have to pay them a fee, but that is interest. Here's the problem. Every time we tell somebody an interest rate, your mortgage is 6%, your credit cards are 14%, your car loan is 9.2%. Every time we talk about financing, we always use an annual interest rate. That's so we can compare. That, that makes sense, but what people don't understand is factoring is not an annual rate, it's basically a 30-day rate. So if I could have gotten my money in 30 days, but I sell the invoice to a factor, I should only be paying interest on 30 days. Now, when, when they state that interest rate as 4%, it sounds really good, doesn't it? Sure. Well if i pay 4% for 30 days and i want to compare that to my mortgage which is stated as an annual rate that interest rate is really 48% too a big buck if you look at your the credit ones, card so many of them out there if you look at your credit card and you have a 12% rate on your credit card what you will see is they're only charging you 1% a month cuz that's how that works so i people cannot understand that i have had people scream at me and call me an idiot and tell me i don't know how to do math because they'll say four percent is four percent what is wrong with you you're stupid that that's what they'll tell me and i'll say no you don't understand the time value of money this is not simple math this is the time value of money if you pay 4% to borrow money for 30 days, that is a 48% annual interest rate. Yeah, big money. So yeah, I, I, am, I am almost always against factoring. The, the one time factoring might make sense, but it's risky is if you're trying to grow and you just can't borrow enough money anywhere else. But See, that's- you can't borrow,
4: I can't borrow any money right now. Hey, and even though I was in business, even even though I was in business for, you know, almost since 1977, I bought my first truck. Always yeah, I I leased to a carrier, but I didn't have company. Correct. Company. Correct. Yeah, and I, I couldn't even rent a. I couldn't even rent a trailer. I was just gonna say, you know, maybe I'll do the power only gig, you know, and then you know, maybe uh, see how that goes. I did a couple of that, and then everybody wanted a trailer, so I thought, well, I'll just go rent one. Huh? They wouldn't even rent me a trailer. No, Even I, with an 850, even a personal I know. credit score of 800, over 800, they would not rent me a trailer.
0: It, renting trucks and trailers has always been like that. Um, I used to have to rent a what lot that? of trucks. I, renting trucks and yeah. trailers in this business has always been like that. It's been a really difficult um, for small companies to do. I used to have to rent a lot yeah. of trucks. Luckily, in the beginning, I had FedEx's account to do it under. And then I eventually uh-huh. worked with both um, Ryder and Penske enough that I got them to set up an account, but I had to put a bunch of money up um, as collateral to get them yeah. to do that. So, yeah. but but factoring it, to it me, was a, it was a
4: whole new business that the the hobby yeah. trucking has turned into a you know like almost like a full time job for uh, me it, now. It, so it, it, I don't know. I'm just out here seeing if I could teach any of these young kids a lesson by getting in their way and slowing them down, or oh, good. at least showing good. them how to. Slide an axle when it's when it's level. I had a kid the other day trying to slide his axles up at a you know a, a, a steep pitch, and I'm oh, watching him breaking up equipment. I'm just going, "What did I get back into this for?" It hasn't changed a bit, but I, you know, the the money's a little bit, you know, it, it's it's down, but it it looks like it's coming up a little bit. But it, right anyways, now, good to hear your voice, Kevin. I'm gonna try to get this high tech truck because <laughs> I got no computer <laughs> or anything in it. I'm trying to figure out how to get the satellite radio to work, the CB, and the rest of the stuff, and then maybe I can uh, figure out how to stream your, your show now.
0: Well, there you go. Our app, all you need for our show is your phone.
4: Okay, you can do it on the phone and then plug it into the stereo, huh?
0: That's, that's the perfect way to do it. So not only will you be able to listen live on the app, you can call in directly from the app and you can listen to all the shows we've done over the last couple of years.
4: Yeah, that was that with that left truck. What was that the one that the Mighty Network or something when you had the problem out here? I, I kinda lost contact with you when we that guy yeah. out here in Arizona was gonna take your trucks if you yeah.
6: didn't yeah.
0: do the loads for the government or something and <laughs> then no, you it's, got the, that that culture. It's worse amen. than that. It's worse than that. He he no. made the comment yeah. that if Yes. if truckers were going to go to dc to protest he would confiscate their trucks yeah what a clown <laughs> yeah yeah so that's that that's what got me yeah. canceled was um, my statement about him yeah. got me canceled which is fine because i'm much happier doing yeah. what i do now we don't do commercials Good. i love my show so much more yeah. um yeah. we, yeah, we I,
4: i've enjoyed it
0: we, we took a pretty big financial hit but we're we're uh, we're making sure. our way back
4: sure I've, I've been looking at my purchases from the store there they're still even though i don't get to listen to you my purchases every two or three months are still up well, there you. in the four and five hundred dollar range
6: thank so you i appreciate I'm still trying
4: that to, uh, try still trying to stay healthy retirement uh, my diet went all to hell but that's a whole nother show but well i'm just out here happy trucking holiday trucking uh retirement trucking what you really want to call this hobby is and yeah, I feel well, good. I've been back for a month, and we'll see how long I last.
0: Well, you keep calling in, and we'll just keep calling you the Hobby Trucker. We'll call it the Hobby Trucker segment. The
4: hobby, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting in the way of these young bucks. It's Nothing better than getting away one of these kids and just they think right. they think by burning rubber and at ninety miles an hour that they're gonna they're gonna make more money, and I just sit back and giggle, you know. Like, I just and you can't tell the younger. Oh, well, let's not get into the telling them anything. You can't suggest anything to this. To these kids they, nowadays, because they think you're trying to tell them how to do something. So maybe, I just sit back and, yeah, big smile on my face and giggle every time I see the exhaust go. You know,
0: maybe they'll <laughs> maybe they'll see you as a good example and they might learn something.
4: Oh, if that if growing up, if I was a good example and I am now, hold. <laughs> I, I feel sorry for the people around us. <laughs> All right, Kevin.
2: All right. I'm going to get hey. off
4: here. There's probably you got lots of guys going on and it. lots of stuff, but I just want to let you know I'm glad I found you. I got a text message from your show this morning, and I pushed the number. I didn't know how to listen to you. And the nice lady on the phone, the screener there, she let me stay on hold so I can listen. So
0: Excellent. I'll try to
4: work on getting the streaming deal done.
0: Hey, hey, you know what I'm going to do? Just in case, you can hang up if you want, but I am, uh, I'm just going to put you. I've got tons of phone lines. I mean, we have like 250 phone lines on this system. So I'm just going to put Jeez. you back on hold. And if you want to listen, um, you can keep listening. You, you won't be in my way. Let's, uh, let's go to Oklahoma. John, welcome to the program. Howdy, Kevin. How are you doing? Good. What's on your mind today?
10: Yeah. Well, I just wanted to revisit the uh, broker discussion. As a single owner-operator, I have no desire to go out and look for my own customers. Good. Simply, because, Good. simply because as an owner-operator, single owner-operator, when I want to take time off, I want to take time off. And if Good I point. can and solicit a, a direct customer, they're going to want me to service that uh, account yes. A- every time that they have a load. yep. And, you know, I don't want to work like that. So I need that broker to be able to solicit that freight from the shipper so that I can haul it when I want to.
0: That's exactly and, correct.
10: And as stated before, as long as I'm happy with the rate, I care less what the shippers pay in the broker.
0: <laughs> Which is another and, good attitude to have. And We're okay with that in every other transaction we do. We have no idea what any business has into a product for cost. We have no idea what a wholesaler paid... Um, what the retailer paid. Um, we could be called an intermediary, just like a broker. We sell the, all the products in our store. They're not ours. We don't manufacture all those products. We have to go buy them from somebody. Not once has anybody ever asked me what we paid for that product. Well, if they did, I wouldn't tell them. This is not in their business, but nobody ever asked me that. Well, how is this any different? Why do people treat this so differently?
10: I, Well, I, ignorance, I think, more than anything else
0: I think you're um, right.
10: And they just, I don't think they want to take the time to actually learn. And then when you do try to educate them, it's like, well, I don't want to believe that, so I, I think it's wrong. It, right. Right. And, you know, so, you know, it, it doesn't fit their narrative of the way they want it, they think it is, so they don't want to believe it. Um, I just, you know, I'm a, a total free market guy. Uh, I'm obviously against crony capitalism, but I think right. capitalism and free market thing, best thing in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely,
10: um, and and for me to try and dictate, uh, you know, what a broker is going to pay me because I think this is what the shippers paying you, so you need to pay me that I don't have the slightest idea what that shippers paying them, and you don't. So care. How can I dict- <laughs> So I, I, how can I dictate what they should pay me? Right. As long as I'm happy with the rate, it covers my costs. I'm making profit doing that load. Uh, or if it's a load that needs to get me back to a location, and I'm willing to take a hit, well, that's just the way it goes. You know, and like you said earlier, the last four or five years has been really good for the carriers, and it's been a, a carrier market. And now it's you know the cycle has switched, and well, you have to learn. It, it, how to adjust. And here's
0: the other thing that they just don't seem to understand. And I, I get so frustrated trying to explain it to people. Um, they somehow think that the rate should have something to do with their cost. And, and here's the one sentence you hear over and over and over that tells you how they why that they do think this way. The, the whole phrase backhaul. Uh, you know, that, that is such a convoluted topic and people just don't understand it. They'll say, well, why should the backhaul rate be different? My cost hasn't changed. Your cost has nothing to do with this. If it did, we would all just go out and buy $300,000 custom trucks and $200,000 custom trailers, and we'd drive as fast as we want, and we wouldn't worry about fuel economy, and we, we would put all the chrome on there we wanted, and then we would say, look, you have to pay me more because my costs are more. That's not how business works. That's not how it will ever work. So the reason the rate is different in trucking is because of supply and demand. If I sell a product, supply and demand is pretty simple. I either have the product as much as I need or I don't. And if there's a shortage of the product and people really want it, then the price will go up. But that's pretty stable, it doesn't change much. The reason trucking is confusing for these guys, but but it, it's not that confusing, is that every lane is like a different product in a store. So I might sell a product for $5, but I might have another product that I sell for $12 and another one that I sell for $2. They're different products. They have different supply and demand issues. That's what trucking is. Every lane is a different price because of supply and demand in that lane, then we can confuse it even more because we have a fuel surcharge in the mix and we need one. Every time fuel prices change, those lane rates can change. That's why these guys have a hard time understanding that it it just like every other business in a free market, supply and demand dictates prices, nobody else. The brokers don't control the prices. The shippers don't control the prices. Mega carriers don't control the prices. Supply and demand does, but they they can't understand that.
10: Yeah, and the the backhaul phrase, every time I hear somebody use that, I just want to slap them because it's like, no, there's no such thing as a backhaul. Right. You may have a different price, you may have a different price in a different lane, but there's no such thing as a backhaul. Correct. And like, you know, I had a cousin who tried his hand at being an owner-operator years ago. And I would talk to him pretty much daily. And he, before he talked to me, and I tried to tell him, look, you need to understand the lanes before you book a load going to a particular area.
0: Yes.
6: Well, he
10: ended up booking a load going, I think it was from California to Florida for $5,000.
0: And that's a perfect example because rates going into Florida most of the time will be stronger than rates going to other places. But there's a reason for that. And you were trying to help him understand that reason.
10: Right, You know, going from California to, to Florida in a flatbed for $5,000 is no money because you're going to lose it trying to get out of there. Right. And I tried to explain that to him. Um, and, of course, it, it, he only lasted three months. And, they was, and he was a, uh, uh, a lease owner-operator. But, you know, that's just the way people are. Uh, they don't have any concept, like you said earlier, about lane pricing, product pricing, supply and demand. And they think it should just all pay the same. It just doesn't work that way.
0: Exactly.
10: Yeah, and when
0: when you can't when people don't understand simple basic business concepts like supply and demand, the time value of money, how to really compare interest rates, the the fact that the whole point of a business is to serve a customer. How often do you even hear the word customer used by owner operators?
10: oh come on yeah exactly and i agree with your point about the broker being your customer and um one of the things that i come across a lot when i'm uh booking loads and working the load after i've booked it and i'm in transit and i'm getting the load uh delivering the load is i communicate with the broker the whole way some of them will want this app for uh you know check calls or that app well Not only do I do that, I'll send them an email. Say, this is what I'm doing now. I'm at the receiver. This is what's happening. Was I delayed? Was there an issue? I'll send them all that information, just mainly it's CYA for me as well. That way they can't say, well, you didn't say to us, you know. Um, And honestly, I get told, you know, we really appreciate you being open and honest and candid with us and, and communicating with us. Yeah. I'm like, well, why why doesn't everybody else do that? It seems, <laughs> it seems like that would be business sense. Hey. You, you want to let your customer know what's happening because if there's something going on, they can get in touch with their customer. Hey
0: John, you know what the silver lining is in this conversation? You know what the best part of all this is?
10: Yeah. There's too many dummies running around here and i am i am a, I'm a, uh, I'm a <laughs> A unicorn and and looking for unicorns. And it makes it so easy to compete. It does. It really does. Because I don't want to give away everything, but I don't haul uh, all the – I I do mostly dry van stuff, but I do particular dry van stuff that I look for. There you go. Some regular stuff. But there's particular stuff that I look for. And and so that keeps me out of that other pool of everybody else, as well as now I'm commuting they appreciate that, and they're willing to use me.
0: Well, and you, you have figured out, here's another comment I get all of the time, and you've figured out how ignorant this comment is. Uh, people will look right at me and go, well, there's just no way we can compete with the mega carriers. Well, why are you? Why are you even trying? Of course you, you can't compete with That's them, exactly. but why would you? Stop competing with them and go do the stuff they can't do. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. You know, they, they the mega well, carriers I- love those big, heavy palletized loads. Back up, put the pallets on, drive them someplace else, pull the pallets off. That's what they want. There's no money in that kind of stuff because yeah. everybody can do it. Like you said, even in dry van, there are lots of commodities that are not easy to deal with. One of them that comes to mind for me, um, Jackie, who's a longtime listener and caller, um, now has a run where... And she's not that old to be retired, but she's got to run. She only works every other week. And the customer absolutely loves her. It's windows in a van. And it's not an easy load. And they love the fact that she does that load every other week for them because they don't have to worry about it. Try to move that kind of stuff with a mega carrier.
10: Oh, yeah, exactly. And I, I totally agree. Um, it's, it, it, most of my load that I haul are 25,000 pounds or less. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, and, and, so, like I said, and I don't have to haul that heavy crap that pays cheap. Right. You know? Uh, and, um, you know, I, I use three mainly three brokers that I work with. And for the last three years, the highest mileage I've run 68,000 miles last year.
0: That's awesome.
10: This year, I'll push close to 80. Yeah. Mainly because the rates were a little bit lower and a little bit harder.
0: You got to go work a little harder. And that's right. That's how business yeah. works. When things get tough, you got to dig a little deeper. We, we've we had a pretty long economic run. We've been very fortunate. Now it's time to pay the piper. or some. Yes.
10: All right, Kevin, that's all I got. I appreciate you taking the call.
0: Great stuff. Thanks for the call. Let's... Um, Let's go to Indiana. Jeff, welcome to the program.
7: Yeah, this is for the other caller. He called in a few times. I think it's Terrence. He said his girlfriend and with the house and everything. Yeah, it's Terrence. Um, I don't know if this is too personal or what the exact situation is, but couldn't he just marry her and get his name on the title
0: or deed? there were some reasons not to do that and i didn't dig too deep into okay. it either we we yeah we understood we, yeah we brought that up in the very beginning and it sounds like there's some reasons not to do it that way and it, it, you know okay. it, it, we were able to to figure out a way for him to do this and now everything's kind of going through so it doesn't look like there's going to be any roadblocks now
7: okay but can't if it's her house can't she sell it for whatever she wants i mean she has to at least sell it for what she owes so she sells it for what she owes and pays off her loan and then he gets the loan the appraisal shouldn't have anything to do with anything
0: i'm not even sure why there is an appraisal there's probably some legal requirement that's being handled but it's even it's even more than what you just said she doesn't have to sell it for what she owes she can sell it for any price she wants as long as somebody makes up the difference to the bank. If she, if she wanted sure. to sell it for $50,000 less than what she owed and then take $50,000 out of her own pocket and pay off the mortgage company, that's fine. She can sell it for any price she wants. So I, that's why right. I question the, the uh, appraisal. I don't even know why they need one.
7: Yeah, I, he must be going to borrow what she owes on it And if there's still boyfriend, girlfriend, and then she gets the money and then they put that in a pool, he could turn right around and pay off his loan and be done with it, you know, within 60 days. Right. But uh, that's just the way I think about it. But it's a personal, you know, there's a lot of personal things in there that you don't don't know about. That's, that's
0: yeah, that's what it seemed like in the beginning. We mentioned a couple things and, and they needed to do it this way. He needed to, to just okay. buy the house and get everything transferred into his name.
7: Okay. Because what I did when our father passed away, my one sister wanted money right away, and I wanted to keep the house in the family. So I just offered, so I just bought it for $80,000. It only cost me sixty because there's three brothers and sisters. Right. So I gave everybody twenty thousand dollars, then I own the house and then a few other things changed and then I went and sold it for a hundred and twenty. Uh, yeah, but Which, if she just would have waited, if she would have waited, she had to have her money right that second.
0: <laughs> Isn't so that how I it always fine. goes? Right? Yeah.
7: Y- yeah, yeah. So it cost me sixty. I sold it for one twenty, and you know, uh, I didn't and, get my two twenty thousand inheritance, but I made forty thousand on the deal within ninety days. So, and you shouldn't feel I, bad I about that paid, either. Uh, uh, what was that?
0: I said you shouldn't feel bad about that either.
7: Oh, God, hell no. (laughs) Not my fault I'm
0: smarter than than everybody. That's that's, not my problem. That's exactly right. And like you said, (laughs) when people put themselves in a financial position that they need things in a hurry, it's always going to cost them money.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like you you explained the factoring thing perfectly again, and there will still be people that are going to chew
0: your ass. They will... I will get emails. I will get they'll they'll hit me up on social media. They will call me an idiot. They'll tell me I don't know how to do math. Four percent is four percent, and I I just got tired of trying to explain it to
7: people. Sure. What I think you should do when they do that is this. This time I heard you say that if it's twelve percent for a credit card, that that's one percent a month. Yes. if you you divide that by 12, then you have to take their factor and multiply it by 12. Maybe that'll get them to figure that around. Maybe that reverse psychology of that is how they'll go, oh, wow, yeah, he's right. It is times 12, isn't it?
0: Yeah, pull out your credit card statement and your
7: terms, and you'll see that's exactly how it works. Yeah, I think that may be a better approach to uh, maybe get them to figure it out. We'll see. But what I can't figure out is in... So if you're supposed to get so if it's only 30 is it 30 days but if you do that every time, you're only getting it early once right?
0: Well no um, and, and 30 days is just an average you know' I, I've okay. seen I've seen shippers that it's 60 days I've seen some shippers where it's 90. That th- those are just their terms. That's what they want to pay their freight bills on, a 60 or 90. And sometimes they find brokers and carriers that will agree to that. So it, it really depends. But it, your factor is going to charge you more than two. So it, it always ends up where – see, the factors understand the time value of money. So they, they adjust yeah. on all of that. Um, but let's say I pulled two loads this week. And let's say I used two different brokers. It doesn't matter. It could be the same broker. I can factor both of those this week and get paid on both of them. So I can factor every load as I do it. So I know what you're thinking. Um, A good example of this that always made me crazy are these new bank accounts, these new online bank accounts. And what they tell you is, oh, but if you're a member of our bank, you'll get your um, payroll deposit two days early. Instead of waiting until... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, instead of waiting until Friday, we'll pay you on Wednesday. Well, from now on, they're always going to pay you on Wednesday, so you only got the two-day advantage one time. (laughs) That makes absolutely no sense to me. (laughs) But people are like, oh, I get my paycheck two days early.
7: Yeah, once. Once. That's it. Yeah, once. And then if you decide not to do it, then you have to go nine days. Correct. And if you can't go... (laughs) <laughs> you can't go 7, you're never you going to make go 9. Five, exactly.
0: But this is a little different cuz I can factor every load as soon as I book it and get all of my money early, but that also means I'm paying that high interest rate on all of my money now. Now, here's here's another thing. Right. I am I am not I hate to even say this. But i need to i'm not completely against factoring. there are times where the deal can be arranged where it might make some sense and it might have some value to it one of the problems i've had is almost all of the factoring companies will not give you that kind of flexibility they make you factor every invoice you don't get to pick and choose oh so uh, one of the issues i had when i first started partnering and talking about partnering with nastic was they have a couple programs that i'm not all that wild about they do have a factoring company everybody does every company out there that deals with with trucking has a factoring company all the load boards all the associations the, the factoring companies go out there and try to partner with everybody um so I said, you know, to to David, you know, I'm never, ever going to promote or talk good about your factoring company, right? And he <laughs> said, I don't care. He says, not that big of a deal for us. Um, he said, it's just something we offer because our members ask for it. He said, but let me show you how ours is different. And theirs is. I'm still not going to use it. I probably won't recommend it either. But they, they have actually found a factoring company that's got pretty reasonable terms And you don't have to factor every load. You can pick and choose.
7: Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I thought you could do, you know, say if you ran in a week, you know, four loads times, you know, 15 loads a month, you could do two or three if you needed it. It, it, That's pretty rare.
0: There are some factoring companies that have programs like that, but it's pretty rare. Now, you will probably pay a slightly higher rate. And then there's another issue in here that confuses people. There's what's called recourse factoring and non-recourse. And the difference is I turn my freight bill over to the factoring company. They pay me the money. Then at some point, they might not get paid. That happens sometimes. Mm. So if it's, I always, I got to think these words through, if it's recourse, then the factoring company is going to come back to you and make you give that money back. Gotcha. So, that, if, so you, if you if, want non-recourse where, where they suck up the loss, if it happens, well, then your rate's going to be higher. And then there are companies, so and, and this you, is why it gets confusing, there are some companies that will basically force you to turn all of your invoices over to them, but then they'll go through sometimes and they'll pick some out and say, well, we're not going to factor this when that company has credits too bad.
7: Oh, well, that's not good. Right. So if you're, if you think you're pulling a load that's sketchy, then would you go to the factor to make them cover it? But then if you can't pick and choose, then if it's non
0: recourse and they allow you to, then I guess it might make some sense, but let's see how complicated this all gets.
7: Yeah, just just keep your numbers down and know what they are and you never have to worry about factoring and then this conversation doesn't matter. And work with three to
0: five good brokers and monitor (laughs) their credit once in a while and you won't have to factor their stuff. Uh, Now, here's another option. A a lot of brokers and, and other groups have seen how predatory these rates are in factoring and they saw an opportunity a lot of brokers quick pay options are are way better than than factoring now you're still going to pay a fee to get Mm -hmm. your money early but it's a reasonable fee sure so in a lot of sense some brokers have become their own factoring company they won't make you wait 30 days. They'll pay you right now. They're, they're going to discount the rate a little bit. But most of the time when I look at quick pay options, they tend to be much better than factoring. But you also have to know how to look at all these options and compare them or you're probably going to get screwed.
7: Oh, well, that's great. So now the broker's already screwing everybody from what they say, and now they're going <laughs> to quick pay they're going to double screw them. Well, let me tell
0: you another one. No, that, I'm that, kidding. No, I, I, I heard the sarcasm there. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you another one that people don't understand. This is new. All of a sudden, I see a bunch of factoring companies with fuel cards or fuel card companies with factoring, and you know what they do? they tie the fuel discount into the factoring and they tie the factoring into the fuel discount. Now I I don't know what I'm really paying for anymore. I don't know how big my fuel discount is and I don't know what my factoring fee is because they've tied them all together now.
7: And then the government goes after these payday loan people but this factoring at 48% is just fine because it's... You know why? 4% and they don't see it? I'm actually
0: okay with that. You know why? This is a pretty common thing. The government has much, much tighter rules and regulations when a consumer has to deal with a business. And that's what a payday loan transaction is. You have a consumer who is not a business owner, they're just a consumer, and they are dealing with the okay. business. So the government tends to offer them more protection. In the business okay. to business world, which is what factoring is, the government, and, and I hope it stays this way. I don't want the government involved in any of this. The government kind of oh, says,
7: absolutely.
0: Yeah, the government kind of says, Hey, look, you're in business, you should know better. They finally got something right. I, they did. They'll they'll probably screw it up. And we have groups that are screaming. They want the government to fix all these things. And and I'm I'm on the opposite end. No, hell no, don't fix it. If you want to be in business, educate yourself.
7: Did you see the? I forget what the secretary of something where he totally screwed oh, up Ronald Reagan I, I, lying about the government here I, to help?
0: I mentioned it on Tuesday, and um, I, post, okay. I posted it. So, But that, that one's worth going over again. He is the education secretary. That makes it even yeah. worse. That makes it even yeah. worse. So the original quote by Reagan, which a lot of people have heard over the years, is the he left out this first sentence. These are the yeah. nine scariest words in the English language. I'm here from the government and I'm here to help or, or something along. I'm here to help and I'm from the government yeah. or something along those lines. And Reagan's point was, that's the scariest thing ever. The government doesn't help anybody with anything. That was his take on this. Right. The education right. secretary quoted Reagan, <laughs> said he was quote, quoting Reagan, and got the meaning of it completely backwards. He, he was talking about oh, how, how they had this new program to help people. And he said, I think it was Reagan who said, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. And he thought it was a positive
7: thing. What a bonehead! Yeah, that's that's yeah. Well, I mean, technically, he didn't lie. Yes, Reagan said that, but you had to preface it, it with the, the
0: scariest it, word. He totally—he he could not have taken that saying more out of context <laughs> than what he did. And, and, oh, and, and yeah, when, I thought. Oh. And if you watch the video, it, he's almost kind of proud of himself for that one.
7: You can see yeah. it. I saw he smiled, yeah, he right. turned around, he looked yeah, and said, right. yeah, look, I, I'm a Democrat, and right. I quoted Reagan. Right. He was proud of himself, and he did <laughs> it's
0: so much of a bonehead, he didn't understand how wrong he got that.
7: Well, isn't that the par for the course for liberals, that they're so wrong, that they just think they're so right, and that they just because they think they're right, everybody else is, is stupid?
0: Well, uh, yep, that, that seems to be the pattern, no doubt. All right, Jeff, the uh, calls are piloted up on me. I've got to move along. We're going to head off to Florida. Merrick, welcome to the program.
11: Oh, Hi, Kevin. What can uh, I help you with today? It's been a while. Uh, first thing, uh, before I forgot, did you, do you still do that research on AI? And I know you're using it in your business, but... Do you find anything, you know, for us little people that we can use it and to our benefits? or not So I do is There anything that you I do
0: still study AI every day. I get about 20 newsletters every day and I just kind of scroll through the headlines. I don't read as much as I used to cuz it's not changing all that fast right now. What what we're seeing is the the uses of AI for individuals are getting a little better. They're getting a little easier. But it's really not doing anything new right now for the most part um, it's really good at helping write things. Uh, it's really, really good at that. Uh, I, I swear you could, if somebody uh, took uh, enough I time, use it, you could probably to... write a good novel with it, with, without that much work. It's good for creating images. That's getting better. Now they're you, the AI, you can actually create videos from almost nothing now. Um, and in some right. ways. That's a double-edged sword. The fact that that, yeah. that AI can create realistic images and can create real videos and can clone anybody's voice, you will not be able to trust anything you see now. It, it is very possible you could go on to social media today and if somebody wanted to, they would make a video of me saying anything they want me to say and it would look like I really said yeah. it. And it's going to and cause. It will
11: be prosecuted.
0: Uh, it's going to cause all kinds of problems. Uh, it's going to be yeah. a mess. So, most of what I see out of AI right now, even though we're using it and we like it, I-, I wish it just didn't exist. I-, I do not see it
11: as a good no. thing at all. Yeah, lot, lots of uh, these latest technologies, I wish it won't exist, but. I guess we got to deal with it. You know, here, here's the sad part. All of these
0: technologies have a good side. They really do. The problem right. is... Like everything. Yeah, the problem is it's the bad side that's going to get used a whole lot more.
11: Yeah, yeah. That's right. So you don't really have anything for us as a... I really a, don't. In, it, I mean... It, I use it once, actually. I, I had... Uh, Speeding ticket, and you know I used it for kind of because I didn't get the attorney, so I went to court and AI uh, wrote the kind of explanation for me. As a, oh, good, it, it was really good. You know, yeah. I I didn't yeah. use it at court because I didn't see the judge. I didn't stand in front of him. I accept deal. Okay you know before before about yeah, i had it you know in case i will go to see the judge that was actually a good creative
0: was, use of ai it it is very good at yes. writing things or rewriting things or improving the writing it does make great you know, pictures and now it can make cool videos. Unfortunately, a lot of this is going to be used for the wrong reasons. But other than that, right. about the only really practical thing I've seen with AI so far is there's some $49 headset you can buy that uses AI and this thing sounds incredible. Right, right. But other than that, right. I haven't seen a whole lot of really practical uses for AI yet.
11: Okay, so I'm glad that you because you didn't talk about it for a while. So I, thought, I, I, I was wondering if you yeah, I well, find if, anything. If, if I was, you finding, know, we counted on you. I know, if I was, things.
0: if I was finding anything good, I'd be talking about it. And the reason I haven't talked about it is after that first initial, you know, 30 days or so, where where we were really it was rolling out and everybody was excited about it and. Uh, after that, nothing really much has changed except it's gotten so but confusing. Right? Here's the other part. That's so Chat GPT was the big, you know, AI that got rolled out first. Then Google rolled out theirs, and Microsoft has theirs. And but what happens is all of these companies. It, well, Chat GPT for sure allows you to use their AI in your software if you want. So what we're seeing is now, not exaggerating, there are now thousands of AI websites. They're all using ChatGPT. It's just they put a different front end on them. And it's just a really, really confusing market right now. I have probably tried, not exaggerating, I bet I've signed up for 50 different AI writing services and canceled 49 of them, because they all sucked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really just kind of a mess right now, honestly.
11: Yeah. That's what I see too. I don't really do research, research like you do, but you know, I read, yeah, uh, you know, head, th- headlines and yeah, watch some videos that people talking about it. And, yeah, don't waste too much time on I, it right actually, now. Actually, I, if, you if it's, know, if it that, starts that, to get better, I'm I'll trying, let you know. You know, stay away from everything. I mean, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, if it's... Stu- uh, if it starts to get better, I'll let you know. But right now, I'm, I'm not seeing a whole lot to get all that excited about. Let's go to Florida. Matt, welcome.
12: Good morning, Kevin.
0: What's on your mind today? Um,
12: a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just this last call, AI, uh, something I just heard on a podcast this last week or within the last week or so. Um, it's like a lapel pen that you wear on your collar or whatever, and it's a translator.
6: Oh, okay.
12: there's already apps on your phone that can do this, but this just does it all automatically. Oh, you, you know... You can who, walk up to anybody and have a conversation in any language.
0: You know who needs that? Man, if I had that technology, I know exactly where I'd be selling that right now. So I, I've, I've talked all there the is. time about how much I love the show uh, uh, On Patrol Live, the cop show. Oh, yeah. So those cops now... Just recently, this, this is just happening more and more and more every time I watch the show. They are constantly pulling over people who don't speak English. So It's become a really common thing, and they're all using apps on their phone. And it works. It helps them a lot, but it's pretty awkward. You know they've got to say something into their phone, then they've got to show it to the other person, then they got to try to convince the other person to talk back to the phone, then they have to try to read it. So it works and it's a big help. But that uh, that lapel thing sounds like that'd be perfect for cops.
12: Yeah, and that's what they're explaining. This is way better than an app, and it's voice. You, you don't have to read. Right. It's just you say something, it repeats it in whatever language. Yeah. You know the conversation started. It.
0: Yeah, I'd be uh, I'd be hitting up police departments. There's a lot of things happening.
12: Yep. Because another, like you were saying, the AI videos. Boy, I see a lot of them.
0: Oh, that's scary. The whole that is so scary. You you are not going to be able to believe anything you see posted on social media anymore. Yep.
12: And I guess the best example I could give for that. I know you're not a movie person, but anybody that's watched the movie Polar Express with Tom Hanks, it, it. you know, kind of a cartoon, but that's, you can definitely tell that's video created.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
12: but Tom Hanks is the voice in almost every character in that
0: movie. <laughs> and, well, here,
12: But it's his real voice. I mean, he recorded them all. It,
0: right, right.
12: With a different, yeah. This, but that's what this AI is. It, it can take anything, and it's building the, the character, and they're, they're yeah. getting... Very close to not being able to tell that
10: it's a fake
0: anymore. Well, I posted an article. I've been using the AI image generators to put up more interesting pictures on my posts. Because pictures are what get people to stop and read. If all your post is is text, it's, it doesn't get much interaction. So I always try to put a good picture on yep. there because that's what gets interaction. Well, when you when you go to regular, uh, we pay a lot of money for a photo site that we can license photos from. So they're good quality images and you can find a lot of them. But when you're trying to find a picture, like the other day I was trying to find one on our photo site. And the article was about how many of the young people now don't even qualify to go into our military. It was like 71% was the, the statistic. And I thought, wait a minute, getting into the military is not that difficult. Their, their requirements are not tough at all. How, how can it be possible that 71% aren't qualifying today? It was either they were out of shape, they were undereducated, like, how dumb do these people have to be? Um, or uh, past <laughs> drug use or past felony convictions. So I was trying to find a picture that would portray people who, you know, a, a poor military, and there just wasn't one. I, I, so I went to AI and I said, create this image for me. And I played around with it and it took me three or four tries. But when I posted it, It was so real. People were actually commenting, "Oh, that person couldn't be in our military. Where, where did that? That can't be the U.S. Army." And I'm like, "Look at the uniforms. Of course, it's not the U.S. Army. AI made this picture." But even that had confused people. Well, and and remember,
12: there was a time I I wasn't trying to fool
0: anybody. I just put it up because I I know that you get a lot more interaction when you have an interesting picture. I I was not trying to to say, this is one of our soldiers. I mean, I thought it was obvious that it was generated by AI, but people can't tell.
6: Yeah,
12: I I don't remember when you you mentioned education. You know, it's one of the reasons people can't get in the military. And I don't think it was in the 80s, somewhere in there, that they changed it, that you had to have a high school diploma or a... The GED equivalent, right? Uh, but if, before that, that was the fallback option. Well, if you were failing uh, in school, you went you to went the, military. Into the
0: military, right? Or, or if you were about to get in trouble with the law, they might give you an out and yep. say, "Well, we won't put you in jail if you go into the military." We should probably go back to that. It seems better than what we yep. have today. Our military scares me today. I, I cannot believe how wow. poor uh, of shape our military is in now. You no. Know, so the uh, main
12: reason I called was the uh, caller about investing and all that. And, I mean, I'm not trying to talk him into doing anything different. I mean, I completely agree with everything you said
6: during the call.
12: But just uh point a few things out, right now, money market accounts are
0: paying 5.3%. Oh, that's a good point. You're that's right. not even
12: investing. That's, that's a- just... You That's know, completely safe. Account.
0: And it's completely safe. Yeah. yeah, You, can't, you can't lose your money. You can't lose any money. And as long as that interest rate stays that high, you'll continue to get that. That's a really good point. That's a good place to park some money right now.
12: Yeah, Yep. And, yeah, those, they adjust. I mean, they adjust basically every week or possibly every day. Right. Um, just whatever interest rates are doing. But, yeah, the, the S&P 500, No, you know, we're cherry-picking numbers here. But year-to-date, just this calendar year, 18.8% growth.
0: Which is incredible. I mean, that is such a huge return.
12: Where our economy is, yeah, that's unbelievable.
0: Right, right. And that's kind of my point. And I don't know why more people don't talk about this, even like Dave Ramsey, like, why do we even bother with an asset mix? Honestly, now the more I more I look at it, why do we bother telling people to be sixty forty or seventy thirty, or you should have some bonds or some money markets? Or why? I, I'm not sure that that's ever been good advice. You no, know,
12: and yeah, I mean, just to point it out. You know, the S and P last year in 2022 was down
0: 18.
12: percent over for two years. We're almost dead even. It, right. But, you know, it, it's just that volatile. That's what you have to be prepared to, you know, ignore it when it's going down. And, but it, well, the best thing is just ignore it completely. Just put it in and forget it.
0: Yeah, and I, I know you've looked at these statistics before, and there's lots of ways to twist these kind of numbers. But I'm pretty sure that the statistic is you can look at any 10-year period for the history of the S&P 500, and the return has always been pretty darn stable.
12: Yep, it always somewhere between 9 and 11%. That's what I thought. Average is 10%.
0: That, that's what 10%, 10%. I thought. And, and, and in the average number, too. And do we ever see a mix of stocks and bonds and, and money market instruments return that? N- not that I've ever seen.
12: No, I mean, not consistently
0: there there are very all few the other mutual funds are more volatile than the S&P that was going to be my point even if you stuck with just mutual funds alone and we could even say equity mutual funds the the statistic is like 93% of all of the mutual funds on the market never beat the S&P 500 no. and then if we yeah, start mixing there, in bonds know. and and other uh, equity mixes or, or investment mixes, the numbers get worse. So I'm not sure why that advice is still around.
12: So, yeah, for uh, apps, or not app, uh podcast, if anybody's interested in learning more about investing outside of, like, what Dave Ramsey teaches, The Money Guy is another podcast I listen to. Self. Most people will probably get overwhelmed and bored with it because it's, you know, a lot of numbers. Right. But I, it's... And they, they're, they're friends with Ramsey Solutions, and, you know, there's things they disagree with Ramsey about, which, I mean, you and I disagree, too. It's, uh, never using a credit card. It, well, it, <laughs> never carrying credit card debt is an absolute... No, you should never carry credit card debt. Right. But using well, a credit card is completely
0: fine. Well, you know, I had a conversation earlier today that was similar. I tell people never use factoring. Uh, You know, it's a little more nuanced than that. There are a couple situations I've come across where using some factoring might make some sense. You're you're not going to hear me say it very often. And it's the same. And I know in Dave Ramsey's mind, he understands that you could use a credit card to your advantage. He gets that. But what he knows, because he's dealt with it his whole life, is that 90-plus percent of the people will use that as an excuse to use a credit card, and then they'll do it wrong.
12: Yep. Yep, and same, you know, automobile loans, college debt.
0: All of it, right. Right. Not
12: never, but but it, it, most of the time it's never, it, right. and only in certain circumstances. It, it's so abused. It, right. That, that's, that's why we have the problems we do. Because, I mean, see, people go... 500, I mean, and this is common. I can't believe how often I hear this. Three, four, five hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and either they don't even have the degree, they never finished, or they're working a $60,000 a year job. Well, that that was a pretty poor investment.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it certainly was. Nobody ever looks at it as as an investment, though. Well, yeah, I mean,
12: to spend so on the Money guys, their recommendation is you should never have more college debt than what your first year salary is going to be.
0: That's a good formula. In that yeah, that's a good formula. So, I mean, if
12: you're going into a starting salary of a hundred thousand dollars as an engineer or something like that, you could go up to a hundred thousand in debt. I mean, I still think that's crazy, in my opinion. I know. Like, I've run my I- life, but. Yeah, you know, so at least that's reasonable.
0: Let's go back because I'm not sure if I remember this. the the this, the the uh, theory of paying off your credit cards starting with the um, smallest balance first. And I know I've taught that for a long time. That that's a Dave Ramsey thing, isn't it? Was he the one that started that?
12: Yes, he pays them off in order of smallest
6: balances.
0: Yeah, because so it, you, it creates it's momentum. momentum. right? And it, it's, yeah, and I taught that too, and you open yourself up to the people that say, no, that's a stupid idea, I can show you the math. It, but it's not math. Oh. Dave Ramsey never meant it to be math. I never meant it to be math. I get it. There's a way that you could pay off that debt and you would pay less overall, but it's not much usually. And I always agreed with him that emotional factor was so much more important than a couple points on the interest rate.
12: You no. Know, Cuz yeah, I mean people that have 10 open debt accounts, car loans, student loans, you know, whatever personal small stuff, to eliminate two of them does a lot more in your mind than paying, you know, let's just say paid off two $500 loans and they were lower interest. Would you rather pay off a $1,000 on a big one and still have 10 loans? Or exactly. Or would you rather have two it, gone and be down to eight loans?
0: And that big one, you may pay on that big one for two or three years before you ever get rid of it. And and people get tired of that, and they don't feel like they're getting anywhere. So I, I always thought that his approach to that was brilliant, but it opens you up to be argued with math. And, and people will look at you and go, no, see, this yep. is wrong. I can prove it. And they're right, math-wise, it, it's wrong. It's not the best way to do it. Sure. But when you're talking about money, isn't math Dave, isn't the only factor.
12: Yep, he, he says that straight out. The math is on the side of paying the highest interest. Right. But the results are on the side of the people that <laughs> pay
0: off the smoke. <laughs> Right. Those
12: are the people that win.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And,
12: yeah, and that's everything. Dave Ramsey does is about results, not necessarily
0: and, and the,
12: the math. Sometimes loses, but the results always win. Well,
0: it's the same math as saying I'm going to have a credit card and I'm going to buy everything with that credit card to get the rewards points and look at how much money I make doing it. And and there's a lot of money to be made. If you run a business and you use your credit cards for business and you get points on them, it can be huge. But, but that he – so again – He's a target because he's the biggest, so everybody goes after him. And honestly, his methods are kind of easy to go after if you just use math. But I still agree with everything he's ever taught.
12: Yeah, you see, the way you've said it many times, if you follow everything Dave Ramsey does, you can't go wrong. Right. But there are times we are willing to take more risk.
0: Correct. Than what Dave would recommend. Yep. Yep. And sometimes we'll win. And sometimes we'll lose. Yep. Um,
12: one other thing, I just got caught up on some shows. Uh, so I think this was last Monday. I just listened to yesterday. You had a caller about life insurance and putting it on his dad for his business and all that. And Oh, yeah. I've, I kind of remember me, that one. Was, yeah. I, I guess where I would have went with that was when he was asking what's the right thing mm-hmm. to do to protect his business.
0: He needs a better business plan. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, I, mean, I, I, I got so stuck on the idea that, that life insurance yeah. is not a lottery. You know, we we don't insure yeah. somebody's life we love so we get a big payout when we die when they die. I just hate that whole concept. Yeah.
12: And I'm not picking on him. I I just he was asking yeah. good questions and it sounds like he has a really good business. You
0: know I, he's just trying to
12: protect some things, I get that.
0: You know, I have well,
12: a but the way he explained his dad is basically he's just an employee. Right. He doesn't run the business. He uh, even said I have to babysit him. Uh, that like
0: that. that so, was my point. Guess, that that is not somebody that you put no. key man insurance on. And I tried to tell him then then yeah. I guess you're gonna put insurance on all of your employees. And I gotta go check this. I didn't want to question it on the air, but I do not believe he made the statement that he could insure anybody's life without their permission. I don't think you can do that, can you? Not that I know of, but I I don't know for sure. I can't say one way or the other. Well, I don't. It up. I don't like to make statements unless I know for sure. But I, I've studied insurance quite a bit, and that's not possible. I, I and it shouldn't be. A spouse can't even do it. You can't put insurance on your spouse without your spouse knowing it and signing for it, as far as I know.
12: Yeah, because it does have to be signed for. Yeah, the only ones I know are kids and minors. I mean, that makes sense. And
0: And, and, you made the statement on that
12: call that insuring your children is some of the dumbest stuff.
0: I almost think it's criminal. It's, what a horrible idea.
12: Well, I would say there are some circumstances that make sense. The way it's all sold is completely wrong. I all agree with that. What? But for a very young couple just starting out, you get a rider on your own insurance, your own life insurance policy to cover your kids for ten to $20,000. And that'll it, cover you if, know, funeral
0: if, expenses. If it's funeral expenses, that's fine. Support. Yeah, if, if it's funeral expenses, I get it. But not... not big payout kind of policy. Here's another yeah. reason that's always in the back of my mind. And I know I'm a little biased about this because I watch and I read so many crime shows. I don't want anybody having some incentive to bump me off. And it happens a lot more than you might think. <laughs> Angie
12: and I just had this conversation, and I'll, I'll leave, let you weigh in on the decision I'm making right now. So I have a $300,000 policy, a 15-year, that expires in a week and a half. Now, I have the option to keep extending it. Right. And, of course, the rate is going to be way higher, and the rate is going to continue to go up. It's going to be a quarterly, so I buy three months at a time. <laughs> so my current life insurance value, with this one included, is hey, one million. Hey, Matt,
0: 4. Matt, Millions. you don't have to tell me the rest <laughs> of the story. I already have an answer for you. Cancel all of your life insurance because she said you're going in the (laughs) woodchopper. Yeah. Uh. Uh, So... I know that's kind of weird to think that way, and I, I really don't. I've got plenty of life insurance on me because the company, and and it just makes sense to have it that way. But but I do watch and read a lot of crime shows, and it is not uncommon. It it may be one of the most common reasons I have seen for spouses bumping off their spouse. Yep.
12: and mm, not that I'm worried about that at all. <laughs> and the acid. Asset- you know, I had life insurance through my younger years, and right. as I've built assets, I've so technically become self-insured. Or You don't need it, it as much. To. I have, right. Yeah, I think my most recent policy, because, you know, I had to look all this up here the other day, was a 20-year that I took out in 18, so it's good all the way till 2038.
0: Oh, yeah. Which I don't yeah. Have a, I'd have to do math
12: to figure out how old I'm going to be, but, it's, you know, I'll, I'll be well into my 60s.
0: And you should have a, a so, good net worth, to, so you probably won't need insurance. Yeah. Right.
12: And that's a half a million dollar policy, so I, I think uh, I can let these older ones just go and not pay the higher rate on them because, well, hey, we have no debt, so there's nothing to cover.
0: Yeah, other, um, other than joking know. about this, I'm not weighing in because you're on one side of the conversation and your wife is my call screener, so I'm, I'm not getting involved <laughs> with this one. Well, let's, let's
7: just say if
12: something ever did happen to me, she's well taken care of I, or without this, this I, one policy. <laughs> yeah, I think,
0: all right, I think you could let this one go. See, I have to be careful or okay. I might end up in the wood chopper.
12: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, there was one other thing, and I'm trying to remember what it was. In oh, the on-spaces. You did a space last Sunday. And, yeah, this whole, these groups and the different things with the fraud yeah. in the freight market. And this fraud is on both sides. It's, there's freight brokers doing fraud, or there's fraudulent people operating as brokers. There's fraudulent people at, operating as trucking companies, so both sides are dealing well, with Well, this. wait a minute.
0: Let, let, me, let me give you another one, because I just posted this yesterday. You're right. It comes. From, it could come from a carrier. could come from a broker. Here's the one thing to remember. They're all criminals, and they're all breaking a law. Yep. That, that's the thing to remember. Yeah, so, so what yeah. what is more regulation going to do? They're already breaking laws. They'll break any law you decide to put in place. But here's something else I saw. A driver sold a whole load of chicken. He just oh. stole it and sold it. Instead of delivering, he, he just stole, sold it. You know, and... You know, that's why you have insurance. But you know, right? But but this doesn't even have to be high tech, right? He just decided, hell, I've got a load of chicken here. I'm going to find somebody that wants to buy it, and he ended up selling like I don't remember the number. He didn't sell it all. It was kind of weird. He had a little left, but he sold like thirty-one thousand pounds of chicken to somebody.
12: Yeah. So what i was going to point out is what i already do have been doing for many years and these groups now are complaining because the brokers are doing the same thing they're putting protections and sell in place so that they don't have to deal with this and one of them is uh, you have to be in business for two years have to have had your authority another one is you have to have a dot inspection on your authority which that's 30 months, so within every 30 months you have to get at least one DOT inspection because that's one way of verifying you actually have trucks on the road. They've been inspected right. by, you know, a state or federal inspector. And, well, I pretty much run by the same rules. I don't book a load with a broker that hasn't been in business in two years, for two, at least two years. Uh,
0: that's a good point. It's a really good point.
12: And yeah. guess what? I don't have this problem.
0: That, that's right. That's right. That 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 makes total so, sense. That works both ways. Yep. Yeah. I'm not saying i never would. Well, right, but but when your right. when your method of operation is just scroll the load boards and and pick up the phone and call whoever you think has the best load today, you are going to open yourself up to a lot of these problems. And hmm. um,
12: yeah, so this. I'll have to go back and look through my records for the last two years. I don't think I've filled out a new broker carrier packet for a new broker in over two years.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
12: Now, granted, I do pretty close to dedicated stuff, but there's at least five well, weeks out of the year I've probably got to well, find the load off the load board, which actually isn't even off the load board anymore. I've got the Well that over the years I've done business with, and it's, you know, one, two loads a year. I just call them. Well, I'm on their email list already, but yeah, well so I see their loads, but I'll call them and say, hey, you know, next week if my dedicated stuff isn't going, and here are my dates, and why don't you take a look and see if you can do
0: anything in your system that'll work. Well, let's go back to something you said. You said, granted, I do a lot of dedicated. And to be, other people will look at it and go, well, yeah, that doesn't matter to him because he does a lot of dedicated. Well, but how did that happen? That was by design. That's the whole point. If you run your business right, and it doesn't always happen overnight, you've been doing this for years. But when you do it right, this is what you, This is where you end up. You end up in places where you don't have all these problems that everybody's complaining about. But that was on purpose,
12: well, not only you know, nowadays it's dedicated, but I've run a dedicated lane for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So right. Even if I had none of my regular contacts had a load, and I'm trying to book a load in my lane I've been running for 20 years with a brand new broker, never heard of, they're, they're new in business, but I'm going to know the shipper and receiver because I, I know almost all the freight running in this place <laughs> right. in a reefer. So if it's big dedicated customer that they just picked up well i know that customer correct so i know that freight is you know around all the time they pay their
10: bills so the broker you know would be somebody to be willing to take a risk on
0: and i also think it's interesting that you run a lane that is the lane we use as the example almost every time of a bad freight lane getting out of florida but you've done that for 20 years and you've been wildly successful at it and you get better and better at it every year.
12: Well, I mean, I just tell my my customers, you know, what my expenses are and <laughs> they just pay me
0: whatever my expenses are. I just I need more customers <laughs> like that, I guess. Well, uh, that would right.
12: be a very a, a very bad business decision on my point because this year I now am up over a dollar a mile in expenses. But typically, I've been under a dollar a mile for most of my career. So if I told them my expenses,
0: yeah, they, they'd my cut pay your would rate. Down. Yeah, they'd cut your rate. Um, yeah. Well, here's the other thing because I, I, I always use your business reports as examples. And I posted this the other day because these groups are, are pushing this $2.28 a mile. That's what it costs to run a truck today. Well, well no that's what it cost the average big fleet to run a truck today. That's a wildly different number so I posted yours and your latest one was like a dollar 2 a dollar 3 a mile. And they just completely ignored it and then continued to say that that $2.28 is an accurate rate.
12: Oh well, yeah, I think it's a great number to be published because sure. it's a dollar twenty dollar twenty a mile more than my expenses. So yeah. I love competing with people at
0: my expenses. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey Matt, I just looked at the clock. I gotta move along. Um, the day's getting ahead of me here. We got to uh we're gonna go to Ohio. John, welcome to the program.
13: Hey Kevin. Hey, uh do I get bought a keto mojo. The one that does uh the ketones and the blood sugar. Okay. And I, I've i been eating a mostly animal-based diet. You know, every once in a while, I'll have a potato on the weekend or something. But for the most part, I'm consuming very, very low carbohydrates and practically no sugar. And I can't get my number above four. And the Keto Mojo says you're not in ketosis until you hit point five.
0: Wait a minute. Oh, you mean point four? Yeah, point 0.4. Okay. Yeah, so I've talked about this in the past. Um, measuring ketones is not like measuring blood sugar. I can predict what's going to happen with blood sugar pretty accurately for myself for sure, and I can do it for clients after I just look at some of their readings a couple times. Uh, that's not hard. I can never do it with ketones. I've tried. There is no clear patterns. Uh I could probably help you get your number up, but it will be kind of a a one time or one circumstance. And then later on in the day, it might not be there anymore. There is a company now that is is making a continuous ketone monitor. So you can wear it like you do a, a continuous glucose monitor, and you can get your readings all throughout the day. And I'm going to try it. Um, the reason I haven't yet is that they're not selling them in the U.S. Um, I actually, one of our listeners, uh, you know, said I could use his Canadian address and he would bring it down to the States for me. And I may do that, but I, I got busy with this event and this trip, and I just didn't have time to mess with it. So um, I'm going to look back into that when, when I get home and get caught up on some things. But I, I've done tons and tons of ketone measuring, and it is, it's difficult. Here's what I can tell you. Um, if you were to get up, to, do you use Brain Octane at all?
13: No, I don't. I I just in my coffee I I put uh, some butter in it, um, the light balance, and my DK drops. Okay. So I put in my if, coffee.
0: If this is the one thing that that is consistent for this, if I get up in the morning and I'm fasting, and the other thing is don't eat too close to bed the night before, like stop eating around four hours before you're going to go to bed, get up in the morning and have a tablespoon or two of brain octane. And I do it in my coffee because that's just part of my regular recipe. Uh, my ketones will jump at almost two most days. And there are other times where I can be in the same position you are. I just can't get it up over 0.5, 0.6 at the most. The brain octane will do it. Brain octane goes right to your liver and gets turned into ketones, and it, it makes the number go up. It's about the only consistent thing I have found. Everything else is just all over the board. Sometimes you work out and it makes your ketones go up, other times you work out and it makes your ketones go down. I, I just have not found a lot of consistent patterns. What you yeah, will, I, since When, I, since I, when I've, I've had the keto mojo when i find somebody I've who tested. just can't get into nutritional ketosis at all what they probably need to do is some fasting and make sure sorry, you're sorry, getting you plenty yeah, of you have to do what fasting fasting and you have to make sure you're eating plenty of good fat
13: well like still so like this, i haven't been i haven't even been to 0.5 the times that i've tested so far in the last i don't know roughly 2 weeks well, that's what I mean. Uh, you're not getting ketosis. into
0: nutritional ketosis. Two things you... you three, I gave you the, the brain octane. That does it almost every time. Fasting will usually help, and making sure you're eating enough good fats.
13: Hey, so when you have, Like, I ate it last night at 5 o'clock, and I didn't eat until 10 o'clock this morning, and I tested just before I ate, and I was at 0.2.
0: I, I I wish I had a better answer for you. I don't. I don't know why.
13: And my blood sugar was ninety five. Try,
0: try the brain octane and see if it works. Yeah. And other than that, uh, hopefully, right. when I if I ever do get a continuous ketone monitor, maybe I'll learn more. Uh, but I've even talked with so, you know the the CEO of of. Um, the meter you're using, I just drew a blank, and, and it, it, there's just not a lot of good science on this. Our body can use ketones differently, so sometimes we're actually producing them, but we're using them faster than we can measure them. That's why I'm hoping a continuous ketone monitor might help. It might catch those spikes that I'm missing. I don't know. Here, Let me ask you this. Right. How, how do you feel? Are you losing weight? Do you have good energy? How do you feel?
13: Well, I, I feel good, and um, I've, lost, I've lost a little bit of weight, but, you know, I wanted to correspond a number with the way I feel so I know, hey, this is what I'm supposed to feel like when I'm in ketosis.
0: Well, I've, my I, goal I've always thing. told people you don't even have to really test if you don't want to. if you're losing weight and you have good energy and you're feeling better, you're probably in ketosis. And do, do we really care about a number?
13: yeah i see what you mean now if somebody is <laughs> um, struggling and they're their- they're
0: nice if somebody's struggling and they're telling me they're eating a ketogenic diet but they're not losing weight and they're sluggish and tired and they still have brain fog, then I might recommend they start ketone testing and we'll try to get them to the point that they're producing ketones. But if, and, and by the time we do, then they start feeling better and they lose weight. Normally, what we find is they're still eating too many carbs to get into ketosis. They're eating too many carbs and not enough good fat. The more insulin-resistant you are, have you ever been diabetic or pre-diabetic?
13: No, no. The, the worst my a one cs ever been is like
0: six. Well, that's, that's starting to climb, and A1C is not a good measure because it's an average. And when people start losing blood sugar control, they end up with highs and lows, and then their average looks normal. That's why an A1C is a horrible reading, but you had an elevated A1C, so you were insulin-resistant. Yeah. And it sounds like you're fairly new at this. It may take you a while to produce ketones in any usable amount. Your yeah. body is making ketones. It's probably using them before we can even measure them. And and a lot of that is because you're still insulin-resistant. Mm.
13: Yeah. Well, okay, I'll, just, I'll keep at it. And uh, we'll see how that goes. And, um, hey, if I could uh, comment really quick about um, this whole factoring talk. Sure. Um, I do factor. Um, I factored for the last seven years that I've been in business. But I haven't done it because I need the money, um, because I don't need the money in two or three days. Um, But I looked at it like, you know, at the end of the year, I can have them send me a report, and I can put it against my accounting to make sure that I've, accounted for every penny and i'm not sending the are i'm not sending or you know telling the irs i made twenty twenty thousand one hundred dollars when i only you know um, when i made twenty two thousand dollars by mistake
0: john i hate to say uh, this and i
13: realize that i'm paying I, I,
0: I hate to say this that is the worst idea i've ever heard for a reason to factor
13: Really? Yeah.
0: Why? uh, why. uh, uh, Use
13: QuickBooks
0: and you'll have the exact same thing for $19 a month. You should know exactly what you're making now. Why do you need to pay a factoring company these outrageous rates to do your accounting? That's all you're asking of them. Just give me a report.
13: uh, No, I I use an accounting program. I have a. How could you not
0: know? That I've used for the last seven years. Then how could you not know what your revenue is?
13: Well, I basically just. I, I look at what I have versus what they have and make sure there's not a mistake. But,
0: but I don't need a factoring company. I can look at my bank statements, my credit. I, accounting is just math. It's either right or it's not. I can find a mistake in anybody's accounting. I do it all the time when I do tax returns. We check 1099s. We it, to pay somebody outrageous amounts to factor just so you get a second check on your accounting, I'll say it again, is probably the worst idea I've ever heard as a reason to factor.
13: Yeah, well, I mean, it also gives me, you know, non-recourse as long as I check the credit of the broker. I
0: I get all that. I can bring on 50 single truck owner operators that have never lost a penny to a, a broker. There's ways to fix that. That that all those things are easy to do. I, I can't
13: imagine how much yeah. money
0: you've paid out to factoring in 7 years.
13: Well, last year I paid out $1600. It's
0: an awful lot of money for a second check on your accounting.
13: Yeah, but I was looking at well, I was looking at the other benefits too, I guess. You know the the point that it was no recourse and um, I don't have to factor every single load. Um, Well, then your accounting isn't even correct.
0: Is it the reason you just gave me? If you don't factor every load, that now you can't use their report without doing more math.
13: No, there's only one, one broker I don't factor, and every year I get a report from them to match up from what I have in my accounting software.
0: That's what I mean. There's 10 other ways to check your accounting. You just gave me another one. The broker sends you a report. I, I don't know why yeah, we like need anybody I, if, to if send I'm, us if a if report. Entering,
13: you, you know, if, if I'm entering that I made hundred dollars from broker X, and but I mistakenly, you know, put in ninety-nine dollars by a, a keystroke mistake, and I do that five times during the year, and then I send in my stuff to the IRS, telling them, "Hey, I made X amount of money when I really made more than that."
0: I understand what you're saying, but every business in the world has to make sure that their data entry is done correct or everybody's accounting will be wrong. And I will promise you, most of them are wrong. There's a mistake in there somewhere. The IRS is never going to find it. You're never going to find it. If, if we make keystroke errors, we might find it if we have other ways of checking. But that's every business in the world has to make sure their accounting is right. I've just never heard of somebody paying a factoring fee as a way to make sure their accounting was right.
13: But doesn't the IRS get every – doesn't the broker have to report my income to the IRS – so they know exactly how much I've been
0: paid? They also report it to you so you know exactly how much you got paid. That's my point. Well, I don't get any 1099s from these brokers. Then the, then the government isn't getting it either. If they didn't send it to you, they're not sending it to the government. It's a two-part form. One part goes to the government. The other part goes to the person you pay. And I didn't no, realize and, that. And, and no, lots of companies. Are
13: you a corporation? Yeah, well, there, LLC, the, but I'm a, you know, tax to the sole
0: proprietor. Then nobody's required to issue a ten ninety nine. Corporation, you're not required to issue a ten ninety nine to a corporation.
13: Okay, I had no idea. I just, I just thought, well, we just don't send them for whatever reason. I never but really, e- but even if, really they, even if they why. don't,
0: your accounting should still be right. I don't get any ten ninety nines for all the money that comes into me. If somebody buys ten thousand dollars worth of stuff in my store, they're not issuing me a ten ninety nine. It's up to me to make sure I accounted for that.
13: So if I did make a mistake of a few dollars, they're not they're not just going to automatically catch it. And you know, uh, oh, I guarantee, I, I guarantee
0: you've made mistakes over the years. No, they're not going to catch it. I, I, I've, I done, I've that done, they knew exactly what I I've making. done thousands of tax returns that, if I add up all the 1099s they got, I don't even bother. I never even look at the 1099s. but if I added them up, it would be nowhere near all of their income. It wouldn't even be close. So that, that is right. a, that's not an accurate way to double check your accounting at all and even if it were an accurate way i would never pay those kinds of fees to have a, another check on my accounting
13: well maybe i have to rethink this whole thing then i would
0: i would i think you're paying an awful lot of money to people and and getting zero value for it let's um let's go to massachusetts let me try that again michael welcome to the program
2: hello Kevin uh, I just I just called to let you know I got an interesting call from a telemarketer yesterday which I normally don't answer but I was waiting for a call and it was a female voice asked me a bunch of questions tried to sell me life insurance
0: <laughs> okay
2: and spoke very good English and I, I try to always get telemarketers to come off the script
0: right
6: right
2: and I could tell by the way this this person was talking to me they were almost felt like they were following the script but I asked I eventually figured out it was AI, and I asked the tough questions. I asked if this AI program if they could use a male voice, and they said sometimes they do. I also asked it how many languages it could speak, and it ran down the whole list, which was almost every single one. And I had it speak in Vietnamese on speakerphone because my girlfriend's Vietnamese, and she laughed when the AI program was speaking because she said it's not Vietnamese. Really. And then the, yes, and the the important question I asked was, um, do you wish you were a human? And it couldn't answer that. I asked it if it had a criminal record and it couldn't answer that. Wow. And then I asked it if it could end end the call and it said, no, it cannot. Wow. And then basically for 20 minutes, I was asking all kinds of questions. What's your favorite color? What color is the sky? Where are you located? Can you give me the GPS coordinates you're at? And it kept kind of dancing around all of it. And then finally, after 20 minutes of this, it went completely silent. But it would not end the call.
0: That's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that, but I, I could absolutely see how that's happening right now. Yeah, and and AI—it's—it mm-hmm. it, is pretty incredible what it can do. You were able to trip it up pretty easily, um, but but that's that's kind of scary that we're already at that point.
2: And then. I spoke to a friend of mine who's a, uh, who's a prepper about it, and she suggested that the AI program would record my voice and clone it. And I said, oh, my God, I didn't even think of that when I was on the phone.
0: Well, <laughs> even if you think about it, how are we ever going to stop it? Exactly. I, and, uh, they, I if they want to if they wanna clone, our voice, clone our voice, they're going to clone our voice.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So I just thought it was interesting and it was the first time it happened to me I, and you guys were talking about it. I thought I'd share it with you. And I just want to end with every time you announce Paul's call, I try to yell howdy before he does.
0: <laughs>
2: there, there you go. A-
0: Thanks for the heads up on the AI. You know, I hadn't thought about that yet, but I'm not surprised that it's already being used for that. Wow. Oh, it is a scary time. That's all I can say. All right, uh, I'm going to take the final call of the day. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to go north of the border to BC. Colin, welcome.
14: Hey, how are you doing today?
0: Good. What's on your mind?
14: I got a couple compliments, so will kind of go rapid fire and I'll jump through this. Uh, The last one will be about life insurance on my children. But the first one, the guy that called, I've never used a Keto Mojo, but... When I felt like I couldn't get into ketosis, like I wasn't losing weight, I was still having brain fog. I thought I was doing everything good. He said two key words. I'm not eating too many carbs, and I'm pretty low on sugar. Two words, which means nothing because we don't know. I found myself, if I could go multiple days, like three, four days in a row, I'd literally have one meal. I was down to like nine grams of carbs a day using an app. Huge difference. The book Keto Clarity opened up a lot of that, like, To get eighty percent fat, I was pouring like a quarter cup of olive oil with steak and four (laughs) tablespoons of sour cream and two tablespoons like eighty percent of fat is a huge number. It is. And until you realize that you might only be getting twenty percent of fat and seventy percent protein, which that doesn't work. So
0: That's a good point.
14: Actually use an app, you know, in your phone before your mouth. If he gets those numbers really low, like get under 20 grams of carbs multiple days, he'll probably see a huge difference. Um, You
0: you know, before you go on to your next one. I had one. uh, Yeah, yeah. before you go on, I'll give you a minute to think about it. Um, You know, I've had a couple calls today that point out why doing the group coaching. I want to get deeper and help people more. And it's almost impossible on the air like we are. Like Matt had some great, Things I should have added to that call on on um, pi- finance and retirement and investments. Um, this is a great point you just made about this. You know, in, in the, the quick-paced radio show, I got a couple minutes on each call, and I take more time than I used to. But I, I yeah. there's just not enough time for my brain to process all those possibilities.
14: Oh, Exactly. But that was a good book, Keto Clarity it like it line, hey, it answers so many of those the questions. He said they're right in the book. It's pretty simple. It's a it's he, pretty short on audible, but uh are you, that's the biggest thing as you said it. The fat number has to be really high.
2: Are are you
0: aware of what happened to the author of that book?
14: I have no idea, no.
0: That was Jimmy Moore, right? They killed Keto him Clarity. Did he
14: for talking too much?
0: Keto Clarity.
14: Did he suicide himself?
0: Um no. Um so the story might be better if that was what happened. Um, turns, He's in prison. Um, turns out he was a child molester.
14: Really? Oh.
0: I know. We had him at a speaker at, at our CMC a long time ago.
14: Wow, that's... Uh... Well, the info in the book is still valid.
0: That's what I've said, too. It was a great book. And, and honestly, <laughs> yeah. most of the information in the book came from doctors. I love the way he wrote that book. He he interviewed them. Yeah,
14: all everything he, was backed up, Lots right. the names and stuff in there. I really like that right. one. Uh, so the other point, the thing about insurance on my kids, my kids now are 16 and 11. They both have $100,000 coverage. It's not going to be life-changing income, but guess what? If something happens to my kids, I can't go back to work in five days like the bank wants you to because I have a payment to make. I, I, I can't even fathom what life would look like. with, And so it would allow me to be home with my wife and figure out how life was. Um, and it also converts on their 18th birthday. It becomes their money. And it would actually turn into a retirement income or life insurance for them. So potentially, like, it'll be like 60 some years I would have paid into it, or they will eventually, where, you know, they'll have a big chunk sitting there for retirement. So
6: that's kind of how
14: we looked at ours. It's not for a big payout at the time. Um, And I actually think the company we went through, that was their max. They only. I think they only allowed a hundred thousand on the kids.
0: Well, they, they do that so, for a reason. That's how I look yeah. at that. So if, let me, I want to comment on that. But, so I'd love your reason. That would actually make sense to me. I could see that yeah. as a legitimate reason to have it, but I heard something else that I'm going to push back on. Sounds like these are some variation of a whole life policy.
14: Um, I don't actually know. It's called a, it's, I can't remember what it is, but it's basically set up like a mutual fund through a tax free savings account well, I, here in Canada. I, I, it's
0: I, can, not... I now Canada's a little different, but insurance isn't all that different. Yeah. When I
14: say it's some
0: version of a whole life, what I mean is there's an investment part of it. And you just verified that because you said it's set up like a mutual fund. That's my problem. Yeah. That's my proud. That's the worst okay. kind of insurance you can have. Be? Because we should never mix investments with insurance. Because if I were to dig into your numbers, you would be shocked at how high those fees are in your investments and how much more that money would have grown if you would have separated the two and got a term life policy on mm-hmm. the kids and then take in the extra money and invest it yourself into an index mutual fund, you would do the same thing, but you would end up with a ton more money. Yeah. But it's kind of like earlier when I said the factoring companies are now factoring with their fuel cards. They can mix the two up and nobody knows what they're paying for anything or what discount they're getting. You have no idea okay. what you're really paying for insurance and you have no idea what your investment return is. And I can tell you where it goes. It goes into their well, pocket.
14: Well, I will. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna double check that because I'll just call my dad because he's my guy that's setting it up. So I don't think that I. I'll look into that because I. I know those things happen, but. The company my dad works with, it's they they do things a little different. But I will it, absolutely. It, that's a good question to make sure.
0: It, it's going to have Because I some... don't
14: think my my father hates whole life. So there's no way that's what it is. It's more like it's just a mutual fund that has an insurance component. It's like it's uh, which, almost like the that, opposite. That's my of, point. I don't know. I'll no, it's not the that. opposite.
0: My my point yeah. is, why do you have your investments with an insurance company? It's the worst place to invest money. They're an insurance company, not an investment well, that's what company. I,
14: I, I don't know They're, if they are because we have mutual funds through them. So I don't know you, if I just am using the wrong terms. That's you, what I, I want to. You might be. I might have said it wrong because I don't feel that that's what I would have purchased. So I probably gave you the wrong info because what you said is terrible. I don't I wouldn't want that anyway. So I'm going to double check and make sure we're in that. Yeah. So here, not in what you're saying.
0: Here's what happened in the U.S. Whole life got a bad name and it should have. It was awful. So then they just started changing some of the terms, and then they changed the name. So then there was universal life. Oh, that must be new. No, it's just another Mm -hmm. version of whole life. Then there was variable life. Then there was universal variable life. They just kept coming out with new terms to describe the same old thing they've always been doing. The insurance company wants your investment money. And my take is, hell no, you're an insurance company. You'll get my premiums. If somebody mm. dies, I'll get the payout. My investment money is going with my investment company, not with my insurance company. So yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah, that what, makes- the, what they call it or what the terms are. It, it, it's like asking your, your truck repair shop to also be your dentist. That doesn't make any sense.
14: Mm-hmm.
0: Insurance and, yeah, and I'm investments are in my
14: dentist,.: too two, lately. Yeah.
0: Insurance and investments <laughs> are two completely different products
14: mm-hmm Yeah. So
0: I don't like any policy that that re- that where an insurance company is holding my investment money.
14: Yeah, I had a third thing and I don't remember what it was. I should have wrote a note, but I was driving. So, um. Anyways.
0: Oh, I, I Oh, I have
14: a cell booster in my truck now, and I'm in the same area I normally lose you, so it held up good today.
0: The the cell boosters oh, are actually uh, pretty darn nice. They work.
14: Yeah, it's, uh, I have, um, Do you have a Wilson? I called in before about how my mileage has increased and how my boss likes to take care of me. And so I told him about this booster. And then when I realized that it was $800, I'm like, "Oh, maybe you don't want to buy this. The other oh, guys you've got a good one. one. He's like, well, the other guys can't get, the other guys can't get one. Yeah. I got a wee boost. Um, oh, yeah. OTR. Yep. it was about 800 bucks. Um, it's increased my coverage, I'd say, by maybe 80%. Wow. Probably. There's certain areas I travel in where there's no, like, when I get out, um, if you wanted to look on a map out by Jasper, Alberta, you end up in the mountains where you're completely surrounded. So there's no single bleeding into Boost. And there's little sections. But I used to go two, three hours with no signal, and now it's down to like 20, 30 minute spots where That's I don't have
2: Excellent. Anything,
14: so, yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, it's called We Boost.
0: I tested WeBoost. WeBoost in yep.
14: Reach OTR. Yeah, it's uh, It's the only one I've ever had that did anything.
0: Yeah, I. they reached out to I've me. I've had and, other
14: boosters in my truck. Smooth Talker was another one. It never did anything. It was. I don't know what the point was. So. Yeah, I
0: can't remember if WeBoost had something to do with Wilson or if they were bought by Wilson. Because I know I tested Wilson and theirs worked, and then WeBoost sent me... Um, a couple systems, and I put them in our our show trailer, and it worked in there so uh yeah it was a it was mm-hmm. a significant difference you could tell Radio um,
14: uh, I don't remember what the other thing maybe I'll get it another day and I'll call in but I uh, yeah great show today and we'll talk to you later.
0: All right, thanks for the call um, Matt just uh, sent me a text that the new term I haven't seen this one either is indexed whole life and they are using index funds. That sounds good, but the fees, the fees are the problem and they will make this so complicated, it's too hard to pull out the fees. I just, uh, I'm a real stickler on that. Now, this is hard when it's your father who's the insurance agent, he sold it to you, but um, I just have a real problem with this. I think it's a bad idea. All right, we are going to wrap this up. Boy, I feel good. Our uh, our phone technology did not give us a single problem today. I have a couple little things I can go in and tweak and make a little smoother, but um, I think if I can keep my, my Starlink dish working till I get home and get a new one, I I think we're going to be okay. I think we won't uh, we won't be struggling with so many technical issues. We will. Oh, we're not doing rolling toe today because I didn't have time um, to get the Beckets up to speed on this new system. They would have to run this themselves. Uh, so no rolling toe today. We do have the coaching call coming up in. Holy cow! It's an hour. Um, I think I missed an appointment. I let my show run too long. Oh well. Um, We will see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.